Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of, well, actually, no, we won't. December 22nd, 2022, instead of talking about the latest news, we will be discussing our favorite games of 2022 from me, you, the audience, and for the first time, well, not the first time ever, but the first time for this person, a special guest is joining. All that and more. Stay tuned. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2005, Dead or Alive 4 released on the Xbox 360 in the United States. It also says Japan, but it doesn't say anywhere else. I don't know if that game released globally. God, God help us. You know, if the Europeans got a hold of that game, who knows what would happen. But uh, hey, guys, welcome to episode 187 of the Xbox on podcast. Our last episode for the year 2022. Um, that's about as normal as this episode is going to be in terms of the traditional layout as we got a special week for you this or a special episode for you this week. I am joined for well, this is the third time we've had a guest on the show, but a first time for this guest by my good friend Hunter the Immortal. What, what is your how, how do you like to go online, Hunter? You know, it just it depends on what the the show is in reference to. So this year I'll go by Hunter who actually played a decent number of video games this year, because that's not always the case. I'm glad to be back on the train this year. Well, I'm glad to hear that, because, yeah, when I asked you to do this one, I, I stopped and thought for a second, I'm like, oh, we haven't talked too much about gaming this year other than like Pokemon. So yeah. I, I was I was yeah. curious as to what you had played, but I'm glad to hear. Isn't it a satisfying feeling when the year closes out and you kind of feel like you accomplished a lot of the the games that you wanted to play in a year? Oh, no, for sure. Like, there was definitely stuff that I wanted to play that I didn't quite have time for. Um, and I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about that. But just looking at, you know, I have like two games in particular that I'm looking at on my Xbox right now. And I'm like, man, I just wish I could have made time for that. But then I'm looking at my top five and I'm like, man, I had a lot of fun this year. And I even got like some honorable mentions like with that. Um, I'm actually making it kind of a new year resolution. It's just like, uh, I imagine like a lot of people, we are just like, on our phones like way way too much so like one of my new year's resolutions is something i'm actually going to try to do and that's just to cut my phone time down drastically and do something productive like actually play a video game once a month that is just like in my backlog like actually Mm. dive in and play something instead of just looking at it and going i'll get around to it someday because i have games from like 2019 that i could have played through the pandemic but instead we were doing like fucking tiktok dances and shit you know like i want (laughs) i want to like actually dig in and play some of these games that people love and talk about like outer worlds i still haven't even played outer worlds that's a good example of one that's a great one yeah damn yeah you and your mom made some really good tiktok dances in 2019 so don't you know don't sell yourself short but uh look i get it yeah (laughs) it's the the mom son intrigue yeah (laughs) gross yeah it's it's actually really funny you bring that up because uh on my long commute home today as i normally do i was just stuck in traffic thinking to myself i was actually like considering that because i'm not usually one for the uh new year's resolution because uh well 
yeah, one, it's like, oh, I probably won't actually like fulfill it. And two, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, just a- any time is a good time to make a change in your life. You know, if, you, if there's something you're looking for. But I do I do enjoy the spirit of the New Year's resolution because it's just kind of like it's just a time for everyone to kind of be reminded that it's always a good thing to keep yourself on your toes and to encourage yourself to do something different, change something about your life in a way that you think would better yourself. But I, I've been thinking about that a lot where like, I don't even know why I'm like going to opine about this on a show where we're supposed to be talking about Xbox video games. But, you know, we do like or speaking for myself, it's like we do so much consuming I was like trying to like metaphorically liken it to like dieting, you know, where it's like sure, you need sure. food to survive. You need you need to consume calories, you need carbs, you need proteins to survive. But, you know, a lot of the world, myself included, are a little on the uh, overweight side of things where it's like we consume more than we need to. And I'm trying to think of that like in my life, there's been no shortage of times I've been inspired to create or spy- inspired to do something. And it's it's kind of like that balance of like, how much you eat versus how much you put out, like exercise and be physical and and do things rather than just sit there and eat and trying to apply that similar kind of logic to like how you approach your life with like, I want to create more podcasts. I want to get better at producing music. I want to make more YouTube videos. I just want to, you know, not even with the intention of growing something or building something, but just for the personal fulfillment of being like, this is a healthy way to exercise my time and my, you know, my life rather than just be like, oh, look, let's watch this 45 minute YouTube video on why Carvana is dying or something like that. Yeah. It's definitely a video I watched last night. Dude, so. I have watched, I have consumed an unhealthy amount of Carvana discussion lately. <laughs> and it's just like, why? I've never, I've never really been interested in Carvana. Uh, but for me, like the thing about what you're saying um, is not even just like wanting to cut down on junk, even though like scrolling through Twitter endlessly or, or TikTok or Facebook or whatever your vice may be. Like a lot of that is just wasted time. I'm just sitting there yeah. scrolling. And for me, it's actively like, it's not just play one video game. Like I actually want to include reading a little bit more and I right. want to watch more movies that I haven't seen before instead of relying on like old favorites. And I'm, I'm pretty good about movies, but I've definitely fallen off with like book reading and video game playing. And I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to for me is just wanting to increase my media literacy. Like I don't even want to be able to discuss these things as like the water cooler discussion or anything like that. I just want to experience things that have some sort of impact on me. It could be junk food, but it's much better than just sitting there, you know, staring at my phone (laughs) doing nothing. Like I actually want to absorb something and have an experience. Yeah, no, that's, that's well put that, that definitely resonates with me. I don't, I I don't know why we (laughs) had to start out this way, but now, now I don't want to talk about my favorite games. I just want to talk about self-help and <laughs> yeah, ways yeah, we can no, no. Make ourselves I just, I'm about to jump off this Jersey bridge and oh, I God. just, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> All right. For the three people that understood that reference. Uh, uh, anyway. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, well, that's good. This, I guess in some way, this episode's kind of in spirit of that because looking back on the games you played this year, it is a, it is a celebration of like enhancing that media literacy and celebrating the games that, you uh you added to your your repertoire of like experiences and i don't know i i you know that feeling you get when you read a book and like you feel really like satisfied it's like damn like that that was a progressive thing to do to like to finish that book as opposed to like yeah watch spongebob yeah. I, yeah. I i do get that feeling with video games a lot that's one of the things i really love about gaming is when i do complete like i i finished callisto protocol this past weekend or this past week uh christmas eve whatever oh, and nice. uh 
yeah, it was like one of those things when the credits roll, I was like, damn, I feel really good about having finished that game. If I watched a if if I sat down like and watched a movie or TV for three hours, I would not have gotten the same feeling. And that's one of the things I not so much maybe with like playing two hours of Call of Duty multiplayer. But when you play like a, a narrative driven, like single player, complete video game experience, I do get a similar kind of like pop of uh, endorphins like you would a book. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, no, no. You're totally right. And um, I just, yeah, it just goes back to, to what I was saying. It's just something I want to do for myself and experience these things instead of, you know, just kind of letting them pass by. And I don't know if you're like me, but like the further I get removed from when a game was released, I just don't feel the urge to go back to it. And I'm looking at games that mm. I have in my backlog and it's just like, I keep saying I'm going to get to this, but now we are, I bought this game before the pandemic started and it's still just sitting on my shelf staring yeah. at me. Like I, I want to get back and experience this thing because I know this is somebody's like favorite game of all time. It's a lot of people's favorite game. And I just yeah. want to dive in and experience some of that for myself. Dude. Ab absolutely. It goes yeah. back to <laughs> what, what you were describing just a second ago. It reminds me of, you know, the memes where it was like me picking up my backpack after watching a three hour movie in the movie theater walking out and just becoming a totally different person. I've adopted all the main characters, like traits and everything like that. <laughs> it's it's kind of that. It's that special, like, leaving the movie theater and getting blasted with sun right outside the door, and you're just like, yeah. I'm a different person than when I sat down. And, <laughs> Until and I wake the, up tomorrow. In the regal. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> Two and a half hours in this regal cinema that kind of smells like mold. That's going to be me at AMC <laughs> watching Avatar, The Way of the Water, now in theaters. The first yeah. film to reach a billion dollars. Oh, well, the quickest film to reach a billion dollars this year. For real? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It crossed oh, I, today. I, I thought it was like I thought it was like doing insanely well, but still underperforming compared to what they expected. Well, what people are not talking about is, yes, it was very expensive to make. But part of that is also rolled into the next two movies as well. So you're talking about three movies here. The movie's well, doing just fine. Well, not, well, not that I, I know the movie's doing well. I thought I don't know why I thought their expectations for like the pace, the pacing at which it would hit those uh, milestones was. I don't know. It's it's yeah. Disney, dude. They, they they think their shit stinks. They're like, oh, yeah, Black Panther, Avatar, fuck you, everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I feel like this even goes beyond the Disney thing. This is the camera. This is the James Cameron yeah. thing. That's um, true. Yeah. But now it's Disney, and soon everything you love will be Disney. So stop making fun of me for loving Disney. Anyway, right. uh, we should probably get into the actual show itself. Uh, this is, I mean, the show is all about getting off track, but I, I do want to I do want to get to these games because I'm excited to talk about this. So for just a quick little outline, um, what the way we plan on doing this is Hunter and I will go back and forth. What we've done is we've ranked our top five favorite games we've played in 2022. So we'll go down from five to one and kind of go back and forth and talk about our favorite games as we make our way to number one. After that is done, we will then go into a list. I solicited questions or write-ins from you guys, um, the audience, about your favorite games played in 2022. And a bunch of you wrote in, thankfully, you know, thankfully, God, I really there was a moment two days ago. I was like, shit, we're gonna have like three write ins. Uh, but thankfully, you guys, you guys pulled through after uh, after I nagged a couple of times and uh, I, we got about 15 write ins. So I'm really excited to hear from you guys, the audience and see what your favorite games were. And some of you guys even wrote in some explanations as to why you selected certain games, which I really appreciate. So we can kind of get into that. Um, agree, disagree, make fun of you. And you can't say anything back because this is a one way podcast. But uh, no, I'm really excited to get into all that. Um, let's see. Yeah, so Hunter, I guess this is this. Uh, I wrote this down when I was putting my notes together for the show. 
um, I wanted to give the audience like a little taste of who this guy was, because last time we had a guest on, we had Omar on who works for Microsoft. And that was awesome. Obviously, his profession is very uh, relatable to what the show is all about. So, you know, I feel like he was kind of a natural fit. Before that, the first guest we ever had on was my brother, uh, who the audience knows as Cronky. That's his, uh, I guess, internet <laughs> name. Uh, and so he's, you know, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, a here um, a, a, an unofficial member of the show in a way because he's been here supporting me since day one always writing in so um the audience is pretty familiar with him they you know omar had a good case for why he was here with his job you on the other hand you have written in a couple times and you always have been a really strong supporter of my podcast which i greatly appreciate um but yeah. the audience probably isn't super familiar with you so i wanted to throw a couple of like um like temperature reading kind of questions at you just to see just for the audience to get an idea of who it is they're going to be listening to for the next hour and a half so oh boy um, okay yeah, these are going to be real quick it's gonna be like this or that um sure you know like would you rather kind of stuff so it got about 10 of them so see, let's i was just... like i was like preparing the podcast spiel because it's second nature at this point it's like who are oh. you and what do you do well da, 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 da. so like i'm grateful <laughs> i'm not having to do that because now i don't have to do it twice people will have to tune in Till the end of the show and then they can get all the details uh well no i think uh, trust me that no one's gonna have any concept of who you are after these questions because uh <laughs> in, in traditional xbox on fashion it has nothing to do with anything pertinent to what we're going to be talking about today so I'm excited. but uh yeah so we'll, we'll skip all the what i've been eating what i've been playing we'll get all we'll get to all that next week when the news comes back and we do a regular run of show but uh before we get into our main our main games of the year as it were i want to talk about with you a little bit about who you are and, and, and how the audience get to know you. So let's see. Um, first question I wrote down here are, is, was, is, oh, here it is. What are your thoughts on abortion? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I really believe it's up to the woman. Uh, to decide. And she, she has ultimate control of her body. Next question. You don't, you don't think the stork has a say in it? Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Which um, one? God uh all right taco bell or del taco oh this is easy it's taco bell come on fuck you <laughs> all right <laughs> um mcdonald's or burger king you know i'm just gonna go with mcdonald's it goes back to something you've said uh so many times on the podcast just when i order a mcdonald's meal whether i'm here in orlando florida or i'm in bumfuck kentucky or i'm in california wherever I'm going to get a signature McDonald's sandwich. I go to Burger King. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to get. I, I, the truth is, like, they say it's a Whopper. They could be lying to me. I don't know what a Whopper yeah. tastes like at this point. More like have it our way. <laughs> That's no, right. You're absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. All right. Next up, KFC or Popeyes? Oh, Popeyes. Easy. Yes, that is the correct yeah. answer. Uh, favorite cuisine style? Uh, you know, I'm actually probably going to go with Mexican food. I feel like it's oh. the uh, it's the one, um, I guess, ethnicity as far as like food is concerned that I, I can just pretty much eat the entire menu. Meanwhile, others I might be a little bit more picky about. Interesting. I, I thought I knew a lot of your answers to this. I really thought you were going to pick like Southern comfort food. You know, it I is one you. of the I, I feel like. <laughs> That would be so predictable. I've got to give you something else. But Southern comfort food is something special. But like, do you know how embarrassing it is to tell a group of friends that you want to go to Cracker Barrel? You just don't fucking do that. 
<laughs> you just don't tell people you want to go to Cracker Barrel. Em- embrace who you are. I've spent the past three years on this show trying to tell people that it's okay to have a Mountain Dew and Taco Bell addiction and that you shouldn't be seen as a trashy human being for feeling such a way. But I have found myself becoming a uh, big influencer when it comes to Cheddar Scratch Kitchen, America's yeah. number one scratch kitchen brand. Um, yeah, I went there yeah. the first time with you. Yeah, I've I've noticed that. I uh, never had a, a bad meal at Cheddar Scratch Kitchen. And now I'd like to take a moment to thank this week's sponsor. <laughs> Cheddar uh, Scratch Kitchen. <laughs> uh, video game character crush. Oh, God. Um, wow, I've really got to prepare for that one because who who immediately comes to mind? You know what? I'm going to be reliable. I'm probably going to say uh, I'm probably going to go with Samus Metroid. Oh, with or without the helmet? You know, either or, whatever mood she's in. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite Xbox console? I would probably actually go with uh, the the new generation, uh, the Series X. Like, while it doesn't have as many exclusives that I'm playing or anything like that, I get to play all my favorite games from the Xbox One just in better quality. Sure. Like, are you kind of lumping them in at this point? Or is well, this just let, a continuation actually, of the Xbox let me, One? Let me rephrase a little bit because that that is a... That's a logical answer. Let me say the Xbox console that you have the most attachment to, the most emotional resonance and association with. See, Jesse, this is tough because like it's not like Nintendo where I've got super strong feelings about the consoles, hmm. but I've had every Xbox as it's come out since the Xbox has started. Um, I think ultimately I'm going to stick with my answer. I'll probably go Xbox One um, just because that really... I'm a big home entertainment nerd. Like, that's a big thing for me. And the Xbox One was all about the integration of the home entertainment with video gaming. Thank you for uh, for defending this. This is something about the Xbox One that I still lament to this day. It's one of those things where Microsoft had a unique vision, the internet bullied them, and then they backtracked on it like crazy. But for those who were early adopters of the Xbox One, that shit was so cool. Dude, Yeah, bring back Snap. <laughs> bring back Snap, please, for love of Christ. Yeah. I, I want to watch a tiny screen of Hulu Plus as I play Need for Speed, please. <laughs> I just want to play Fantasia again. I want to play those Connect games one yeah, more Connect, time. Connect was awesome. I'll say it again. Connect, especially 2.0. Connect was fucking awesome. Maybe oh, they poor. Sure. Maybe had a poor like a uh, su- poor amount of support from Microsoft. Maybe they didn't really know how to properly utilize it. But the technology itself was really damn cool. And I also think for that generation, it was just like we finally reached a point with the the Xbox One and the the PS4 just where it was like, how much better can we get than this as far as like video games? And like, yeah, yeah. things look better. And like we've come a long way since 2013 as far as like graphics and everything like that. But I kind of feel like we've hit the max point at this point for what home gaming can be like. It's going to be prettier and it's probably going to move better and you can do different things. But that was kind of like, we we've reached the end game as far as like home gaming is concerned. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh that's what keeps Nintendo interesting as a kid is like, Oh cool. Now you can wiggle it. Now you can take it in the car and lose it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what's, what's interesting about Nintendo is Nintendo when they finally do catch up, who knows if they ever will, but you know, when they finally do catch up, people are going to treat it like a revolution, even though the other consoles have been doing it for 30 years by that point. Yeah. You know, well, keep in mind the only time Nintendo was ever like on par with the competition power wise was also the time everyone hated Nintendo. That was the Wii yeah. U. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that console, you know, it could hold up against the, uh, well, I guess at the time they were already like five years old. 
360 yeah. and PS3, but you, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, favorite Xbox owned game, like uh, Xbox console exclusive or like, you know, Microsoft owned property. Mm, that's a tough one, too, because you did put me on to a couple. Um, for instance, like Sunset Overdrive. I ended up going back and playing Sunset Overdrive because of you and uh, how much you love that game. But I think as far as like the world and what I'm most interested in, just because it's been with me since the 316 has carried on. Um, I would actually probably say the Gears of War franchise. Like anytime Gears of War something comes out, I'm not like a huge multiplayer person, but I enjoy playing the campaigns and I enjoy dipping my toe in the multiplayer. It's just not a huge thing. But like every time something comes out, whether it's like a book or they're talking about doing this Netflix series or they're doing a movie or something like that, like I perk up. Um, and Gears of War has just kind of burrowed as like this secret franchise that I don't talk about and I would never claim to be like a super fan. Like I'm not out getting the Crimson Skull tattoo or anything like that, but I do love it and I love it very much. That's a, yeah. Gears is Gears is such a quintessential Xbox experience that even though it hasn't been that long since we got one, the the game, you know, the landscape of Xbox has just changed so dramatically in such a recent short period of time that it almost feels like gears has kind of been pushed to the wayside a little bit, even though it really hasn't, but there's something about gears where it kind of feels like almost like nostalgic Xbox, even though we got a new entry like three years ago, but yeah, yeah, gears is a great answer. Of course, classic answer. It it feels like gears should be in the same breath when people are talking about your halos and that sort of thing. And it's just not, and it's really weird. Like it's, it's strange to me that we don't have even like, besides the expectation that gear six is something that's going to happen at some point like it's weird that we're not constantly getting little things for gears of war i feel like that franchise could be much bigger if they actually pushed it yeah well i actually i actually almost wish that was something halo would do is be more like gears and just kind of shut the fuck up sometimes because <laughs> i don't sure. you know i don't think things like the, the halo tv show are doing the franchise any favors but I, I do know what you mean it does it does get disproportionately treated you know compared to halo which is you know for historical purposes the xbox franchise but in terms of the way xbox treats it these days yeah maybe maybe not so much yeah and when um, i think about just some of like if you were to ask my most underrated like xbox title i would probably like xbox specific i would have to really like scramble my brain but one of the things that first comes to mind for me is the uh gears of war tactics game that came out not that long yeah, ago um, i still haven't played that oh it's really really fun like i know people have their feelings on like oh god another XCOM game but it is so good just to be in that universe with the the weaponry that the gears of war franchise provides it mm, good stuff yeah i've had that that's been sitting on my hard drive for uh, as long since it came out damn that's i i need to get to i know you've told me many many times before to play that game i do want to get to it i, I think Definitely i'll like it, it. I think yeah i think you will that. too um well i have to i'm an xbox so even if i don't like it i'll say <laughs> i like it uh yeah. okay last two uh what's your favorite disney theme park You know, my favorite Disney theme park, believe it or not, that I've been to is actually Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, I I knew. knew. Yeah, I I love Disney's Animal Kingdom. I Disney's Animal Kingdom. I'm going to keep giving it its full uh, government name. Right. There's just (laughs) something about that park that you're able to do everything and accomplish everything you want, but there's still more at the end of the day where you're like, Oh, I didn't get a chance to see that. I'm going to have to see it next time. And the experience is so individualized because of the animal interaction there. When people go to, to DAC, 
you know, don't skip those nature trails. They're some of the most beautiful experiences you can have at Disney. And I love a Disneyland. I love a Magic Kingdom. And if you ask me, like, I don't think a Animal Kingdom attraction breaks my top five Disney rides. But as far as the overall experience, food, go to Flame Mm. Tree Barbecue. Yes. Go ride Dinosaur. Go experience Everest. Go into Pandora at night. Watch some tigers. Like, (laughs) there's nothing quite like it. Go draw Simba because they don't know what the fuck to do with Rafiki's Planet Watch. That's that's a strong answer. I I thought you were going to pick that one or Disneyland. So I'm I'm glad I somewhat know you. Everybody loves Disneyland. I don't need to. I don't need to defend Disneyland. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Would you would you support a Gears of War attraction at, at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Uh, no, but I do think <laughs> Gears of War would do pretty good at like an epic universe or something like that at Universal's in. I just want I just want a Gears of War ride with such a high with such a low height requirement that little little, little kids can ride it. And it, especially if it's going to be at Universal where they're so like famous for splashing with water in every single attraction. Just yeah. fucking I want Marcus Phoenix chainsawing <laughs> the fuck out of some guy. Yeah, yeah. And then like the water splashing on your face. It feels like you're getting blood all over you and little kids screaming because for some reason there's no height requirement on this roller coaster. I want it. No, I, no. I want that ride. You know, I am huge into like Halloween and especially like Halloween Horror Nights. And I would love to see Gears of War get ported over to like Halloween Horror Nights. Like there's so many Xbox based franchises that you could do that with, whether that's Bioshock or Gears of War or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like these are the things that keep me up at night that I want to see so bad. (laughs) Bioshock for sure. I thought of that. But actually, you know, it only until just now. That's actually a great idea. Gears of War would make a really good haunted house. They've done like the war houses before and like they're really, really cool. So the fact that you could have like the active gunfire with the Lancers and the Locusts, like, come on, it would be awesome. Yeah, you could you could do so you could do so many. Even like if you did a haunted house based on the first level of Halo Combat Evolved, like you're yeah. on the Pillar of Autumn and it's like it's like fucking crashing and you're trying to escape the get to the escape pods and the fucking covenant. God damn, dude. Where's my Halo? Where are my Xbox haunted houses? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like video games, like Super Nintendo World is the most exciting thing to come to theme parks in some time. And just uh, I am I I'm really pushing that we're going to see video game integration to this. Hold on. Hold on to that, because I think someone wrote in about literally just that later on the show. So Um, we should probably get moving, though, because this this podcast is going to go on forever because i have I'm, I'm so passionate about everything we have to talk about today thank god we're not talking about motherfucking activision and the <laughs> ftc and europeans being like this is our thoughts on americans buying other american well, companies not people uh anyway uh last one i had was best ice cream flavor you have two seconds to answer best ice cream flavor i am uh tried and true cookies and cream baby. wrong all right next up guys i'm kidding <laughs> uh, that's actually a really solid answer <laughs> sorry no, 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 it's good. I'm uh, actually, uh, I, if you want me to break it down more specifically, I'm a fan of a flavor that you can find in the southern United States uh-huh. called Cookie Monster, which is basically a blue cookies and cream that has Oreo chunks and fluff inserted into it. It's delicious. Does Publix have a version of this? Uh, possibly. I know that there's like a, uh, there's some form of monster. I think it's called Monster Cookie, but it's not blue. The blue, the oh. bright neon blue. That changes yeah. your poop color. That's yeah, essential. That's what I need. Yeah, I, that's a, that's a great answer because my all my favorite ice cream colors have ridiculous. Co- all my favorite ice cream flavors have ridiculous colors. 
Yeah. No, Con sure. candy, where you at? Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so now that the audience is acquainted with you, you like colored poop, you like animals. Um, let's... I like animals <laughs> with colored poop. Like it's... You used to be able to get animal poop to eat at Disney's Animal Kingdom. <laughs> didn't they bring it back for like a short while? Uh, maybe. If they did, I, I didn't have it, and I'm kicking myself for, for uh, not knowing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can make let's... it yourself at 7-Eleven with like the little balls. Just put them in a fun little cup, and you're like, oh, it's zebra shit. <laughs> gross <laughs> mm, tastes good tastes like yeah. gasoline <laughs> mm. uh, let's let's move into our main discussion our main topic of the show um so like i said we got we each have our own top five lists uh counting from five to one with one being our number one top pick uh for favorite games played in 2022 now as a reminder just like last year um the way we're doing this is not these are the five best games that came out in 2022. These are literally our five favorite games we played in the year 2022. I know this is an Xbox podcast, and no doubt much of what we talk about today will be Xbox related. I, I guess probably 85% if I if I had just a spitball. But um, you know, this is a time of year for me to celebrate gaming. Like I, I love Xbox. Xbox is my favorite place to play, but I, I more than anything, I just love video games. It's 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 been the greatest hobby. It's been a a, a great uh, father to me all my life. And so I, I want to be able to celebrate anything. So I don't care if this game is on Nintendo, if it's on PlayStation, if it's on Xbox, I don't care if it came out in 2022 or if it came out in 2001 or 1987. I don't care. The only the only requisite is it has to be a game that you either played for the first time or a game that you spent just such an extensive amount of time with that. it You know, it's a defining game you played this year. And uh, that's that's really all there is to it. So. With that context in mind, I say uh, we start off with, well, actually, I think we both have some honorable mentions, don't we? Yeah, I, I cut mine down to three. I didn't want to talk about a bunch of honorable mentions, but I did play, I think I played close to 20 games this year. Um, nice. So just like things that I was really excited for, and uh, I, I didn't want to just overwhelm my top five, um, or excuse me, I didn't want to overwhelm I didn't want to override my top five with another five of honorable mentions, but I had some that I just couldn't quite let go. So I got it down to three um, and I feel pretty good about those three. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I already said this, but I also have three. So do you maybe want to go down your three and kind of do a quick little, uh, little, little something about each one and then I'll go over yeah. mine before we get into our main list. I'd love to cool. Start us off. All right. So number one for me. So I am a huge fan of arcade culture and arcade games, especially a little genre known as the beat em up. And we got a really good beat em up this year called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This game was awesome. It went straight to Game Pass. It was super easy for a lot of people to play. There is going to be a mobile version coming up uh, next year. But this was super awesome. I'm not a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, just being in love with the 80s and the 90s and just the turtles have been around as long as I've been around. I've definitely been exposed to them and I like those characters, but they're not like one of my top favorite things. But holy crap, this game was so much fun. I had a great time playing through it and it's one of the perfect like co-op sit with your buddies play on the couch and beat up some monsters like what's not to love about that and especially with these recognizable characters the only thing uh, i will say is that tribute games 
uh, did this. I just really hope they either get some other licenses or some other things I would like to see, like a Power Rangers game like this would be awesome. I've had this pipe dream for a Universal Monsters beat-em-up for a while. I really, really just want to see them continue to do this. And I didn't find out until preparing for this podcast that Tribute Games is actually founded by some of the people that came from Ubisoft that did the Scott Pilgrim versus the World game. So super cool connection there. Uh, but yeah, Shredder's Revenge. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, that game was great. That, I think that's the only game I, I played co-op with my girlfriend this year. We played it all the way through in one weekend. And I mean, not that it's a long game or anything, but that game was that game was very well done. That's a it's a genre that I'm not really um, qualified to speak on too much, but it's definitely sure. something that has like an iconic, you know, it, it it's an iconic genre that I think everyone can kind of just pick up and relate to and feel a sense of nostalgia for whether they grew up with it or not. And yeah. uh, that I, that game, you don't have to be an expert in the genre to pick that game up and just feel that they fucking nailed it. The sprite art, the music is amazing. Just everything yeah. in that game. It's it's really special. I know you were a big fan of uh, Battletoads. I believe that was last year. And, you know, that was really fun and I enjoyed my time with it. But as far as like this new wave of beat-em-ups, uh, TMNT takes the cake. I think it just feels so good. I haven't enjoyed playing a modern beat-em-up this much since Scott Pilgrim. Um, so yeah. yeah, as long as we keep seeing little hints of this, I'll be happy. Now, Jesse, the next game uh, came out just in time for Halloween, and I, I don't think you've played this one <laughs> because I, I don't really think this is your type of genre, but Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. You know, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. It's one of my like top three favorite things of all time. I'm all about the Ghostbusters. And this comes from Ilphonic, who did Friday the 13th. They did Predator Hunting Grounds. And they just really nailed the Ghostbusting experience. Surprisingly, though, this was not my favorite asymmetrical multiplayer game this year. Um, but I did end up putting about 30-ish hours into Spirits Unleashed, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but I beat the very short, quote-unquote, story mode and played online, and I really, really enjoyed my experience with it. But Halloween is so crazy for me, and I was in and out, and I just didn't get a chance to really sit down and put as much time into this one as I'd love to. But 30 hours was plenty of time for me to just go, wow, I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, they did a really great little game here, and it's a it's a great little love letter to Ghostbusters. It amazes me that you know all these years later, they are still finding new ways to keep this franchise, which only has three movies, in the eye of the public. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it was a good one. Yeah, I actually that's oh, a four game movies. I, I am I so didn't. sorry. That wasn't even like a that wasn't uh, even like a hit. I, am I, I so thought you were sorry, sliding guys. the 2016 movie. <laughs> no, damn. if anything, I was sliding a different one. But uh, oh <laughs> yeah, no, my bad. I am completely sorry about that. I like all my <laughs> Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, I did. I did not grow up with Ghostbusters at all, so I have no affinity for it. But I did watch the first movie for the first time this year. And I, I know it's a you know I know I know it well through you and through my oldest brother, just because he kind of grew up through a lot of that prime eighties kind of stuff. So uh, I'm, dude, I'm, it's weird because it's like ghostbusters as an outsider looking in, it seems like ghostbusters fans are never on the same page when it comes to the films, but it seems like every time they do something with a video game, people are kind of pleased with ghostbusters. So maybe they found uh, the medium for that franchise. 
You know, and there's been a lot more Ghostbusters video games than you thought there would be. Uh, there was even that infamous one that was kind of derivative of the the crazy castle games for the Game Boy that was like, one of these games is Ghostbusters, the other one is Mickey Mouse, and the other one is Garfield the Cat. Um, there's, like a, there's like some really fun Ghostbusters games, but at least as far as like the story game that was on the 360 and then got brought over to the modern consoles um, for the 35th anniversary and then this one, uh, we've been eating pretty good as far as Ghostbuster fandom is concerned. Um, and then finally, I put a game on here that I have not finished. This game really just came out and I was away on a cruise, so I'm, I'm only about three hours into it, but I'm having a really good time with it and it is making me laugh and I that's like a huge thing for me because I I won't say I'm like uh, comedically like I'm not inclined comedically or just I don't find most things funny but this game is making me laugh which is surprising because I'm not huge into um I guess the thing that kind of started this anyways I'm talking about high on life I'm not a huge like Rick and Morty guy you know I've watched it I've enjoyed the episodes that I've seen um, but I, I feel like like a lot of people maybe some of the fan culture has turned me off from really digging into it <laughs> but high on life was one of those games that immediately came to game pass and I watched the trailers and I'm like you know what this is funny I'm enjoying this let me download it and play it and I'm just having a really good time with it this reminds me of the first person shooters that I really uh, grew up playing it it plays like a 360 game except it's just prettier and uh that's okay with me it's it's stiff but that's fine it's funny it's keeping me amused and i'm enjoying it being in this little world or these worlds as it might be so yeah high on life yeah i actually just started playing that this this past week after i finished callisto protocol and i'll, I'll have more to say on it next week i've only really gotten like an hour into it but I don't know if it's the thing I'll stick with, but I definitely really do admire this game for, you know, whether it's for me or not, that that doesn't really matter. I just really admire this game for what it does. It's a very, very innovative and creative game in yeah. a in a time where gaming is just so much about ch trend chasing. So I, I have a lot of respect for this game and much like you and the audience knows I make it very clear every time this game comes up, I I kind of loathe <laughs> the uh, Rick and Morty kind of style of humor and all that. And I'm, I'm not, you know, what, what's the other show? The something friends and smile friends and smiling all that stuff. Friends, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know all that. Just, it just doesn't do it for me. The art. I really like smiling friends, but yeah, I have a, I have a coworker who will show me a different smiling friends clip like every, every week. <laughs> and, and then he'll just quote it endlessly until the, the next one. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I, I'm happy that people seem to really be enjoying it. Um, more, I think the most interesting thing about this game, uh, honestly, is just how that we're getting that kind of like movie um, kind of divide between the audience reception and the critical reception, where I just feel like yeah. you have, again, another one of these things where it's like a critical base that is just maybe I don't even know that out of touch is the right thing to say, just because I think I think there's a very different lens um, that people generally look through when they're enjoying media versus how critics feel obligated to look at things when they're trying to critique them and review them. But just the, the massive divide between like this, what well, it has like a, like a low seventies kind of Metacritic score or something like that, or maybe yeah. it's even lower. And people are just like over the moon about this game. I'm like, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, I'm, I'm just glad to see people enjoying it. I do appreciate this game a lot. And I am excited to get back to it and get a little deeper. Dude, the the opening with kind of like that Doom Wolfenstein intro and the dude's going off. He's like, hey, it's your divorce lawyer. Yeah, I was like losing <laughs> it from that moment forward. And I'm like, this is like actively working for me. And I, I do think yeah. it's one of those things like 
I, you know, I, I kind of get like maybe being turned off by that, the, the Justin Rowland humor or whatever that people are calling it. And maybe if that doesn't work for you, this game will totally collapse. But it feels like if you're going to play this game, you know what you're getting involved with and you know you're going to have a good time with it or not. And even if yeah. you don't, it's on Game Pass. It's easy for you to pick up and play. And uh, it seems like the critical reception is very much half and half. Like there's some people that really love the the Rick and Morty style humor and then some critics actively loathe it. And if like if they already don't like this thing, of course they're going to hate this video game. So I uh I can't really fault them either way, but I'm having yeah. a good time with it, and you know it's a little last minute slot in that I wanted to throw in here. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I, I think it's a it's definitely warranted because it is a game that's kind of just taking the world by storm here in the in the last days of 2022 as it just kind of eked its way out. And it's um, a fun little exclusive for us. We don't get a ton of those. Yeah, it, I, my guess is it'll be on PlayStation probably within six months or so. But no sure, doubt, it's sure. it's gonna forever be associated as that really awesome day one game pass game for xbox that everyone liked um anyway so well I, I think that's a pretty solid lineup of honorable mentions my honorable mentions i are completely lacking in diversity compared to yours because uh you'll see a really common thing theme with all three of these games um i might as well just say what they are and then kind of go into them individually after that um i put up halo infinite call of duty modern warfare 2 and splatoon 3 uh, Splatoon 3 being the only non-Xbox game on my entire list this year, but uh, had to put Splatoon 3 on there. So Halo Infinite, um, this was my number one favorite game of 2021 last year when we did this. It definitely made my number one spot um, to no surprise. And uh, I, I continue to love Halo Infinite. It is, it is a game I absolutely adore. I continue as I've always been, you know, a champion of 343. I think they are criminally underappreciated. I think those guys were given the impossible task of carrying on this legacy of what Bungie created with the Halo franchise. And I, I, I continue to believe that taking liberties with the franchise and trying to honor it while also making it their own was the right move with Halos 4 and 5. And I understand that you have to kind of kowtow to the, to the angry mob sometimes. And so Halo Infinite is a lot of you know, trying to please the fans while also trying to keep your dignity. And it's it's a weird story the way Halo Infinite went because that, you know, what I just said there kind of is indicative of how we were talking about Halo Infinite a year ago where it was like, I don't love that this is the product of, you know, con conceding to the fans, but what we have here is so special. I love it anyway. It's such a great Halo game. This year, my tone with Halo Infinite has been an absolute emotional roller coaster, as I'm sure most people uh, have been experiencing with just this, what an amazing initial launch with this game and then just fucking fell off a cliff with this live service game that had no live service elements, just complete lack of maps, terrible customization, terrible progression system, really lame battle passes, terrible stores with store with really mediocre skins and nothing really interesting to ever spend your money on or really want to go after. Um, this game continued to let me down, which just broke my heart because Halo, you know, my favorite video game franchises of all time. I don't care how trite or generic this might sound you know halo mario and sonic these are these are the three franchises that mean the most to me and halo especially because it's you know it's the only one of those three that is inherently xbox and that's that's the place where i enjoy playing the most so halo is just such a special franchise to me and it's been a rough year just seeing this game constantly just fuck it up and uh we've gone we've gone through a lot of shit just trying to get get to where we are today but I barely, you know, barely here as we as we just round out 2022, this game has finally made it to a place where I can confidently say Halo Infinite is not a game with great potential that's almost there or a game that will be great down the road. This is a game. Finally, you know, it took till December. They got in the last minute of the year. 
But Halo Infinite is finally a game where I can confidently say is a phenomenal game, top to bottom, all around. And I have complete faith in where this game is headed. Um, it's just unfortunate that it took a full year for this game to get where it should have been on release day in 2021. Because I've been playing this, I'll be honest with you, the reason it took me so long to finally get through Callisto Protocol, the reason I haven't been able to get back into Modern Warfare 2 as much as I'd like to, uh, is because Halo Infinite got so goddamn good in the past month or so that it's pulling me away from everything. I love this game. It's finally the game I wanted it to be. These new maps, incredible. They fixed a lot of matchmaking issues. The new progression system, really awesome. The cross-customization, really good. Why wasn't this here from the start? Uh, All these winter contingency little uh, unlocks and the little temporary battle pass they added in, all really good shit. It's it's finally the game it should have been. And then, of course, you know, the the, the biggest part is custom games and, and Forge and all that is finally in here. And it's phenomenal the shit people are building in forge you know running around a photorealistic perfect like accurate to scale waffle house uh, addressed as master chief shooting people in the face is one of the greatest things i've ever done in a halo <laughs> game and it just breaks my heart that sure. it it took hemorrhaging this player base and a year of disappointment for us to finally get to this point because the game you know everyone we all said uh, people wrote in on the show they agreed with me i i said this for a long time this is obviously a fantastic game that's just a little underbaked. It's just not quite there. And here we are. It's finally that fantastic game with no concessions. But, you know, they it, they had to sacrifice everything to get to this point. And that, that's just so unfortunate. So Halo Infinite, definitely, you know, it's the game I put the most amount of hours into this year. It's definitely a game I adored playing. But it was it was a painful experience to get here. And I'm just sad that, you know, the, the brand is still in such a rough shape after uh, what, what should have been just the, the absolute return to form thing that lit the world on fire and brought Halo back to its former glory. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. So it's so funny, Jesse, because just with a couple of like little minor edits here and uh, me bleeping over you saying Halo Infinite and me putting Star Wars Battlefront 2, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know entirely how it feels to really like something when the rest of the world is just completely like turned against it. It's like you and this decent sized fan base, but like, you know, it should be something so much bigger. And when it finally reaches its maximum potential later on, like star Wars battlefront two. And it's just like, man, if this is the game we got on launch, people would be talking about this as one of the greatest they would be talking about this in your case, maybe the greatest Halo game, or in my case, this was the greatest Star Wars game, and it just didn't happen. And like, it's awesome that we live in a gaming era where things can be changed around in a year. They can so they can drastically change the trajectory for a game. But in today's release market, especially with Game Pass and just these new releases that are coming out, if you aren't B plus or an A on arrival, you're dead in the water and you're forgotten. And it's really unfortunate that it is that way. I'm grateful to have choice, but sometimes like it makes me a little nostalgic for the, when you're eight years old and you only get to buy like three games a year. And if you buy a piece of shit game, you just got to stick with it. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's not until you're 20 and you tell all your friends, Hey, remember blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, that game sucked. You're like, Oh, it did. And you're like, what? You're, you're watching nostalgia critic. And he's like, piece of shit. Um, and then, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I, uh, I joke on that, but 100% that is a very, very similar trajectory to what I went through with battlefront two. And I'll still, 
sing the praises of that game and everything, but I've given up trying to convince people to check it out. <laughs> At least yeah. with your game, it's only a year old. Now it's like Battlefront 2 is like five. No one's going back to that. <laughs> well yeah i mean it, it it is what it is and you have to and at the end of the day as a fan it's like i have to be able to separate you know what i wish this game had been and everything and while also being able to comfortably you know at, look at microsoft and 343 and say well this is what you guys get this is what you deserve you know like as a fan i i'm disappointed to see it turn out this way but also you guys should fucking do better you know like don't put your game out in this state if it's not ready you're microsoft there's no financial reason why you couldn't have held this game back yet another year but anyway yeah no totally. it's a, it's a tired talking point i guess at this point with halo so um that's that's my first honorable mention uh star wars battlefront 2 <laughs> which uh i remember <laughs> i i reviewed that game for a disney website <laughs> where it's for and i think i was in over my head trying to be like i need to be as ign as possible with my with <laughs> my uh <laughs> my approach to how i review games and it was just uh don't ever look up that video you um, were just like whoa there, there's too much water on this planet and then everyone's like that's kameen that's camino jesse that's supposed to be all water <laughs> and everyone's real fucking mad at you <laughs> Uh, that's I probably did say something like that. Um, yeah, my other my other two games I don't have as much to say. The Modern Warfare Two, um, dude. The, here's the thing: is people Modern Warfare Two is one of those games where people tried to shit on this game. There was a moment when it first came out where people were trying to spin this as a negative. But the the fact of the matter is, Modern Warfare Two is like by all accounts one of the biggest successes for Call of Duty in so long. And I'm not talking about in the obvious sense of like, oh, it's the best selling game. It's Call of Duty. Like, no shit. But just in the sense that Modern Warfare 2 has been so undeniably good and has done such a great job of kind of bringing those lapsed and jaded Call of Duty players back into the fold that it's been really cool to see people. There's only two types of people like they, they're either like Modern Warfare 2 looks really good. I think I'm going to get in on that game or like Modern Warfare 2 looks like shit. Call of Duty sucks. Call of Duty's dumb. Call of Duty hasn't been good in 10 years. And then those people go real fucking quiet and you just see them playing Modern Warfare 2 because it's good. It's really damn good. And and, you know, full disclosure, I've only played this game on Xbox, so I didn't experience all the issues it had on PC with crashing. And and I don't have friends to play this with because no one I know plays Call of Duty anymore. So I, I didn't experience the issues where you get in a party of four and it crashes or you play it on PC and it's fucking broken. So my experience playing this game on Xbox, I've had no issues. And there have been minor, minor little gripes here like, oh, well, the stats are fucked up in the menu or the UI looks like Hulu. And yeah, while those are all valid criticisms and things we should hold uh, Trey or not Treyarch, Infinity Ward and Activision accountable for. At the end of the day, it's like compared to where most games land these days, Modern Warfare 2 launched in a really damn good state. The campaign was fucking awesome. Like I say, Call of Duty is one of the best action movies out there today. You know, it's better than Fast and Furious or Mission Impossible, in my opinion. It's such a great romp. And this game was no exception. The multiplayer, fucking awesome. Came out in a very stable state. Very fun to play. Very well balanced. Very great. Like, very good maps. And I'm not usually a Modern Warfare fan as nearly to the extent as I am a, a Black Ops or a Treyarch player. But, man, this game, from, from the get, I'm like, yeah, this is one of the better Call of Duties i played in the past 10 years. And it's not even in my favorite sub-franchise of Call of Duty. But I, I don't know. Modern Warfare 2... Does it does it completely break the mold and reinvent the wheel? No. But is it a damn good Call of Duty game that absolutely understands, you know, the objective and what a Call of Duty game should be in order to be great? Yeah, 100 percent. And um, also just shout out to, to all the many, many, many teams that work on Call of Duty for 
making this just the polar opposite of Halo Infinite, where this game launched and there's just so much goddamn content packed in this motherfucker. You got Spec Ops, Campaign, Multiplayer, Battle Royale, an Escape from Tarkov type mode. You got all this shit to do. I'm so overwhelmed with it. The, they just put raids into this motherfucking game. It's like Destiny all of a sudden. This game has so much to offer you. And, you know, for, I, honestly, I think this is one of the few examples where it's like no one can argue about $70 games when it comes to Modern Warfare 2 because you get so much bang for your buck. You can buy Modern Warfare 2 and that will happily be the one game you play endlessly for a full year and you will get your money's worth and then some. It's just I think it's all around a really great package. Um, so Modern Warfare 2, I think for sure deserves a shout out. Uh, did you have anything to say about Modern Warfare? You know, the only Call of Duty thing that I got involved with this year was actually when Warzone did their MonsterVerse crossover, when they did Godzilla versus oh, Kong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really into that. I had never played Warzone before, but God damn it, I love some Godzilla. And uh, I had some good good times with that. But no, unfortunately, nothing to say about Modern Warfare 2. But uh, I'm I'm glad to hear you've enjoyed it. Well, hopefully Godzilla will return and then maybe you'll give this game a go as well. <laughs> as soon as they plop that big thighed bitch in this game, I will be there. Uh, my final game was Splatoon 3, and this one I probably have the least amount to say. Uh, if Splatoon was a franchise that started when I was a kid, like it, Splatoon is is the GameCube game that's that's for some reason got delayed 100 times until the Wii U was out. It, it, the way I look at it, I feel like Splatoon 3 would have been well, I mean, obviously it's an online shooter game, so it kind of doesn't make sense. But I'm talking about artistically, creatively, with its sound design, with its just its synopsis. It is so insanely late 90s, early 2000s that it blows my mind that this game wasn't conceived in the uh, in the kind of GameCube era of Nintendo. This game would have blown my fucking socks off and been my favorite thing of all time if I had played this as a child. And that was my feeling and my thought the first time I played the first Splatoon back in 2015. And here with Splatoon 3, I feel the exact same way. Splatoon has definitely gotten a little comfortable. It's gotten a little nestled into that modern or that Call of Duty kind of formula of like, as long as we just put out more content of the same basic shit, people will buy it anyway. And they were right. Uh, this game sold like crack. It, it's done extraordinarily well, and it is not terribly. In fact, I, I'll go as far as to say uh, Splatoon 3 is more of a shameless up like half step from Splatoon 2 than basically any Call of Duty is from any, any prior entry in the series. It's it's literally that minor of, of a of an entry of a jump um, other than, of course, the campaign, which is always unique. But I, I don't know. Every time I play Splatoon, it's one of those. Uh, it's one of the very rare, very few franchises that makes me go. I miss Nintendo. I miss being a bigger fan of this platform. I miss being more excited about what Nintendo's working on and I don't know. Splatoon just does it for me. I like whenever a new one comes out, I, I, I lose 30 hours of my life to it. And then I'm like, OK, back to Halo and Call of Duty. But this game is uh, it oozes charm. Phenomenal music. These games have just insanely great music, insanely creative games, uh, humorous, cute, charming, the whole nine. This is a uh, this is weird Japanese shit at its absolute finest. And I, I, I adore Splatoon. So have you played this game? I know you're a big Switch guy. Um, so I am a big Switch guy, but Splatoon is one of those franchises. I've played it on the Wii U. I played Splatoon 2 on the Switch. I always pick it up when it hits the inevitable $35 price range. And then I end up putting about 25 hours into it and going, huh, I really suck ass at this. And then <laughs> end up giving it to a friend or trading it in for something else. I, um, I really like Splatoon and I like the world of Splatoon. And I'll normally play through the campaign and play some multiplayer. But then my time is done with it. 
um, frankly, and that just boils down to I'm not that good at it. And it is a game that unless you're there like first week, <laughs> it is unforgivable uh, with its player base. I feel even if the matches are ranked, like I just feel like you get bulldozed so hard in these games <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe that's part of the appeal is the the learning curve and like the get good mentality or whatever and you know that's just kind of how it is for any shooter game but i feel like for splatoon it's so cute i want to enjoy it more so it's not like call of duty when i take a bullet to the face and i'm like oh shit oh well the horrors of war um here it's like i get splatted and i'm like what the fuck we were having fun we were cute there's cats in this game and bow 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 bow, bow is like yeah. the soundtrack um so yeah uh that, that's my deal with splatoon but every time splatoon comes out i'm interested i always end up checking it out and who knows maybe this is the one that i actually end up sticking with yeah i mean well if you played splatoon 2 i'll say this is essentially more of the same but i i don't know it's uh i i see i definitely take your point on the uh the sweatiness this game has i've watched this franchise go from like like a, a light competitive multiplayer game to like fucking esports uh with splatoon 3 it, it definitely feels like the audience has gotten very good with this game uh, i'm definitely very, not very good yeah yeah I, i'm totally lost on the meta and i and i suck ass as well but i still enjoy the hell out of this game uh speaking of which splatoon 3 reminds me i really need to fucking unsubscribe to nintendo switch online because i do not use that but um i had to subscribe for a little while to play this game anyway <laughs> that's it for our honorable mentions uh it's been about 25 minutes on that so get ready for a two and a half hour discussion on five games. Um, but are you ready to, to move into our, our top five favorite games we played at 2022? Man, I am real excited to talk about this list. I think I've got some bangers here and hopefully, hopefully some people have checked out these games. They're yeah. not necessarily unpopular. Now I know your rules for this. I, I guess I just want to say that was that it could be any games you played this year. I misinterpreted that. I picked only games from 2022. Um, so these are all new releases. So if you've got other stuff, uh, by all means, feel free to dive into that. I just, I dived exclusively into this year. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to make you feel stupid. So I left some uh, some details out when I told you what the show would be about. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, all my, actually, all but one of my games are 2022 releases as well. So oh, perfect. It'll be kind of in line. Um, anyway, why don't you start us off with your number five? I figure we'll go back and forth. You do five, I do five, then you do four, and so on. Um, sure. So go ahead. Yeah, floor is yours. Uh, all right. So in 2015, there was a fun little game that was a PS4 exclusive called Until Dawn. And I remember playing that and having a really good, fun time with that. It was these teenagers trapped in the woods, total horror movie fodder, and they end up getting like attacked by the Wendigo. And now... Uh, what is it? Seven years later, Supermassive Games has come back and they've released a game called The Quarry, which came out this summer. And this was one of my most anticipated in the year. And it was actually really funny how I came across this because I don't really keep up with like a ton of games media anymore. I just kind of find things as they come out and I explore them from there. The first exposure I had to this game, it was two weeks before release and I was in a GameStop buying something and on the TV, they're like the new horror movie inspired game. So of course I whipped around like a crackhead outside of Wawa noticing a new person <laughs> pulling up to a pump. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I watched the trailer for the quarry and I was like, 
holy shit, this is something that I am totally into. Um, so like I said, this is the spiritual successor to Until Dawn, and it's heavily, heavily based on the teen slasher genre of the 80s. You've got all these teenagers um, and these like adults that are played by like super recognizable people. I mean, uh, David Arquette's in here, Tam, uh, uh, Lance Henriksen, uh, who else? Ted Raimi. Brenda Song. Then, like, yeah, Brenda Song is one oh, of the yeah. teenagers. Justice Smith, Ariel Winter. Um that one guy that you've seen in everything, you know, the one I'm talking about, like the cast in here is amazing. And this is one of those games, like sure. It's an interactive story. If you don't like that, there's not much in the way of gameplay here, but I was super, super into this game. And I will say this, I was very disappointed with the ending, but it's very hard to end these interactive drama games. Um, but the experience to getting there just delivered everything I wanted from that teenage slasher genre. And I had so much fun playing through this. And I just really hope it becomes a game that people check out uh, maybe next summer or maybe while they're locked up, uh, you know, before work goes back during the winter. I'm probably going to play this every Halloween and try again for a new ending. And um, they're still dropping little content updates. And maybe at some point they'll fix the, the, the very abrupt ending. But yeah, I really enjoyed my time with the quarry. And I think more people should check it out because uh, I didn't hear much discussion about it this year. Yeah, this was on my I, I thought I was going to play this game when it came out. And then when it came out, I was like, eh, I'll wait till it's like $40 around Halloween time and pick it up then. And then Halloween time came and I was like, you know what? I have a couple of those dark picture anthology games from Supermassive that I still haven't played yet. So I ended up playing Little Hope instead of this. Um, so I still haven't gotten around to this, but it is it is on my list for sure. Uh, maybe next Halloween I'll play it. But um, it, I don't know what it is about Supermassive. They, they make they're really good at making games that intrigue me and then I don't play them. I've had Until Dawn on my PS4 for like five years now. And uh, I just finally packaged up my PS4 and put it in storage. So probably never getting to that game. But this game definitely it definitely looks like a, like the perfect Halloween game. Oh, and it is gorgeous. I mean, it does have the slight issue. And maybe this has been fixed since it's been patched. Like I said, I played this like the first. I was like on this game. No, here's a fun story about this one. I was so excited to play this game. I changed my internal clock on my Xbox to Australia time so I could start it at like 5 p.m. <laughs> the day before. I'm not sure if you've ever done that. Yeah, I did that um, for Modern Warfare too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like super excited. I was like, look, we've got a whole night. And I think we played it through in about three, four days or something like that. And just had a lot a lot of fun with it um and the only issue i really bumped into was uh lip syncing tends to always be a problem for these sorts of games like if it misses a frame it throws the whole thing out of whack but mm. the story here was exceptional i uh, really fun spooky little game a couple jump scares i just had a blast with it and i hope more people check it out <laughs> well there you go if you aren't playing i almost said until dawn <laughs> if you aren't playing the quarry you're a fucking idiot um would you would you say that's fair um no i was uh anyway sorry no no, no <laughs> i was, I I, I was say gonna say that. oh go ahead i was gonna say yeah like if you haven't played the core you're a fucking idiot and you definitely shouldn't be hosting an xbox podcast there you go uh i'll yeah. be sure to tell the guys at xbox 2 <laughs> and podcast unlocked and all i don't really know if any of them let them know anyway. let them know yeah uh <laughs> but yeah th those games are so ideal for um like like playing with uh when you have friends over like your girlfriend or whatever just sitting together and kind of playing it cooperatively even though yeah. only one person holds the controller 
No, in this game, like it was designed for the uh, kind of like streamer market as well. It does do the thing where you can like use the pass the controller so people mm. can like make certain decisions for other characters or people can vote on decisions. And there's even a knowing that people were going to be streaming this game. The soundtrack is like licensed music, but they have like the um, royalty free music that you can turn on if you were like Twitch streaming it or whatever like that. Um, so you oh. get copyright strikes. All right. right. Uh, so yeah, it's totally designed with that in mind. I think uh, I'm pretty sure um, as Dusk Falls did something like that too. That, that's that's really smart for those developers because those games have such a short kind of attention span in the public that you know to kind of cater it towards the streaming market. That's a really good way to get your game out there. Uh, I've never played with that feature. I always, I said as Dusk Falls, right? I always fuck that game up because there's a book I read uh, called Ask the Dust by John Fonte. <laughs> I and couldn't I, tell you, but that sounds right. Yeah. They're very different experiences. So I, got, I just had to look up and make sure I said that right. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, cool. Well, damn, I definitely need to get back to that game for sure. But unfortunately, that did not make my list because that 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 would make my list for sure if I had a top five games I told myself I was going to play and then absolutely did not buy because I'm a cheap asshole. Um, my number five game uh, was uh, a game I raved about constantly back in August when it came out. Uh, and this is Tinykin from developer Splash Team. Uh, they, these guys are only known for one other game. I forget the name of it, but it's like that 2D. It's like a what if a 2D platformer had the mechanics of like Splatoon where like you have these paint canisters and you ink shit and move around. And I never played that game, but uh, Tinykin is their second game and more like their first well-funded proper release that's that really exemplifies like what this studio is all about and um goddamn i love tinykin so much uh this game launches a day one game pass game so you may have seen it or be familiar with it to some extent uh if you're an avid uh, game pass user but um man the, the thing about tinykin is i feel like tinykin is a beautiful ode and tribute to the early 2000s that era of like collectathon platformers and obviously this game is heavily inspired by pikmin and to me you know like i'll be honest i was born in 1995 i wasn't born in 1970 whatever i didn't grow up at age 10 with an s with an nes playing fucking Mega Man and final fantasy and all these games like as much as you know i i am great fortunately did do have that touchstone because i have older siblings that expose me to these platforms and those games at a young age uh if i'm just being really honest about the games i talked about in the playground the games that were relevant when i was growing up um you know it's that it's that nintendo gamecube xbox og era uh game boy advance nintendo ds and so a game like tinykin really resonates with me much in the way that you know like the 45 year old games journalists that are just always going on and on about your fucking like uh, dead cells and and um shovel knights and all those you know kind of Pixlar games and Metroidvania games and all these kinds of things. And I feel like Tinykin is kind of that type of experience for someone like me to rant and rave about, um, about the games I grew up with, because as someone who is in their late twenties, I, I yearn for the return of, of this, this collectathon platformer genre, or just really, I mean, Pikmin is obviously kind of like an action strategy game. It's a very unique game. It doesn't really fall into a, um, uh, pre-existing genre as well as some of these other games but this game pulls so heavily inspirationally from that era of gaming and from games of that time um that i, I admire it as such a as such a beautiful ode to that genre the way i feel like a lot of 
you know, a lot of people really like are super nostalgic for and super appreciative of these modern pixel art indie games. And I just feel like this is an era of gaming that doesn't get that kind of respect. It doesn't command that kind of attention because I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because fewer gamers are nostalgic for it just due to the, the, the newer nature of, you know, the more recent nature of Nintendo GameCube versus NES. I don't know if it's because our games media is almost entirely dominated by 40 something year old dudes that miss the eighties. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like there is, there is an audience. There is a, a consumer base of people who are probably around my age who feel a similar way when they see or play a game like Tinykin. We're like, yes, bring this shit back. Everything today is a games as a service, multiplayer, put a gun in your hand kind of experience. I miss the fun cartoony art style. I miss the 3D collect-a-thon nature of games. I miss the really thought, well thought out. Here's a room. Um, it's kind of like a big puzzle. Go collect everything and figure it all out and put the pieces together. And it's a lot of fun. It's just kind of like a... I almost want to say turn off your brain and explore, but really the game, these kinds of games make your brain think a lot because you're constantly trying to figure out where does this piece go or, okay, I collected this, but who should I give that to? And this game is just so thoughtful and so creative with those conventional trappings of this, of these genres it's inspired by while also really modernizing it and making it feel like, uh, I don't, I don't really know how to put it. It's kind of like, Captain Toad meets meets Pikmin meets like a N64 collectathon, like a Mario 64 or something like that, where you just dropped in this world and you don't fully understand what you're doing. You just know the one objective is find this piece and collect it. And then the whole world opens up around this level that has like an entire theme, an entire story, an entire world to it. Kind of like Banjo-Kazooie, where it's like, okay, now I'm in the... I'm in the, you know, the undead room where it's like there's this whole story. I meet all these characters. I kind of figure out what they're all doing here. And then you move on to the next level. And now it's the snowy level. And they're, you know, they have their own little thing going on. But the premise is always the same. Collect, 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 put the pieces together, get all the stuff, get out of the level. And I feel like this game is just such a beautiful uh, modern interpretation of the of these genres of these kinds of games. And it just really resonated with me and was such a joy to play. I, I think I beat it in the course of two days and uh, almost one sitting. I think the second sitting, I only had to play it for like an hour before I was done with the game. And I just enjoyed every single second of this game and wished we had more things like this to play. I wish there were more indie developers out there yearning to make stuff like this again. This is a game that had come across my radar probably just when I was checking out Game Pass, but I kind of looked at it and I was just like, huh, you know, I've got so many other things to play right now. I'm going to put this in my list and then promptly just kind of forgot about it after a couple days. But after hearing you talk about it, this sounds real interesting. And like, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at some of the gameplay here and uh, I'm really glad you brought this up because this does look like something I'd really enjoy and something I do need to check out. Um, it would definitely give me a little bit of diversity in the kind of games that I've been playing lately. And uh, sometimes it's what I need. It takes one of those like, indie titles to come in like i'm not sure if you played this one but like uh was it 2019 or 2020 one of the two uh when bug fables came out and just kind of disrupted my uh my gameplay for a little bit and just provided a new breath of air into my gameplay bug fables uh, bug fables it was kind of like what if we did a classic uh paper mario but it was centered around like bugs super oh, yeah. cute this is really oh that's exactly what it is wow yeah i, I don't yeah. know anything about this game i need to look into this yeah if you really like the paper mario games for me it was actually the mario and luigi games but if mm. you like paper mario in particular um 
definitely check that out. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that this, while nothing like that, as far as I can tell, just gives me a similar sort of air. And like now that people are talking about this and it's coming up as this indie title that people have had a lot of fun with, I should definitely circle back to this. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. And I'd love to know what you think about it because I mean, you're, you're, you're a bit older than me, I, I guess, but I feel like we kind of came up on some similar, some a similar time period with similar games and platforms. So I would imagine that the N64 or yeah, like late N64 into early GameCube kind of era is, is, is similarly like a, a, a nostalgic spot for you as well. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So tiny can, if you sleep on this, just like, uh, just like the quarry, you're a dumb bitch. And, uh, Krampus will come to kill you <laughs> shortly after Christmas. That's right. He'll be around. You've got like 10 months to play that. Wait, no, you've got like 12 months to play this game. <laughs> and if you don't <laughs> time you get is sucked ticking. up by Krampus. Yeah. Time is ticking motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Why don't you go uh, ahead with your number four and we'll keep this train going. So uh, number four for me was earlier when I was talking about Spirits Unleashed Ghostbusters, um, I mentioned that it wasn't my favorite asymmetrical game of the year, which is not something that I am historically super into. I've definitely tried Friday the 13th, and I really got into that. I tried Dead by Daylight, and I just suck ass at Dead by Daylight, but I do <laughs> love it, and I love those games, and uh, or I love that game and just the characters, and what they've done over there is really quite cool as far as building up this crazy uh franchise from nothing um but anyways number four for me was the asymmetrical survival horror game evil dead the game i am a huge evil dead fan um i have followed the franchise and have loved everything from the original movie up through ash versus evil dead i love the remake i'm really excited for evil dead rise and they just totally nailed doing a completely unique asymmetrical game experience i love playing as the demons in this and just hunting down a party of four and the way that this game progresses it's just so fun it's so addictive and it's such a love letter to this franchise um it i i put the most time into this that i think i've put into any of these multiplayer games like ever um i got super hooked on it and i just played the shit out of it through the summer and um I still think about it really, really fondly. Um, if you love Evil Dead, please go check out the game. It's still got an active player base, and it is super easy to learn, and you never feel like you are at a huge disadvantage um, because people have been playing for a while. I feel like there's still there's still ways for you to come in and have fun and be a good player, um, which is pretty hard in these types of games. But yeah, Evil Dead the game. Uh, mm. Definitely didn't see anybody talking about that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually played. This is a genre I hate, but uh, I actually played this game. I bought it immediately and nice. was really shocked that and not just because I, I really liked the Evil Dead franchise, but I genuinely liked this game. I thought it was very good. Um, this is one of those games like I put like 10 hours into and then really wanted to get back to and then it just got away from me. So I never really did put as much time as I, as I should have into it. But this game was really good. Um, I, I'm I've never seen anything past just the original three movies, uh, but I, I, I'm a huge Sam, Ra Sam Raimi fan. I, I literally just live and die by that Spider-Man trilogy. That was my entire childhood. And into this day, all I ever fucking do is quote holy mcguire memes and talk about those three movies and try to make them out to be more artistic and and uh important than they maybe actually were but evil dead is a series that 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 does a lot for me even though conventionally i'm not really much of a of a horror movie fan um i feel like this game really plays well into 
a lot of what makes those movies so so unique and so quirky. It has a lot of the campiness played into this game. Uh, they do a lot with like the camera is like a character in this game, almost like how it is in the movies. And I feel like the developers really understood kind of how to play up what makes those movies special and translate it into this game, which was really cool. I also just thought it was um, just as far as asymmetric multiplayer games go, it just felt a little more like the kind of the kind of shit I'm more into the the more like Left 4 Dead stuff, a little less like the Dead by Daylight stuff where you could play, you know, you could play offline with friends and just uh, or, you know, against bots, I think it was. And, um, and just really tone down the difficulty and have it be a, a little bit more of a goofy mess of like a of like a, a night with friends rather than have it be like a really sweaty competitive, like all oh, this guy's yeah. really good. And I, I don't know, sure. I just this game just really did it for me. And I, I had a really wonderful eight or 10 hours with it. And yeah, absolutely. I, for a genre, I don't conventionally enjoy. And for uh, based on a, a genre of movies, I generally don't really even enjoy that much. This game absolutely did it for me. And I, and I agree, it's com- it's entirely underrated. If I were the dictator of gaming opinions, I would say that this game has to be liked more than Dead by Daylight or else Krampus will come to your house on Easter and kill you. <laughs> and eat your ass on Easter. He'll eat your ass um, in front of your grandfather. <laughs> and then beat you with a bunch <laughs> of branches. Uh, maybe at the same time, you don't know. What's that tongue for, baby? Um, but no, you're totally right. Like, And I think that is the thing that pulls me in, is just this sense of humor. It's not all dire. And like, yes, there's plenty of blood and, you know, death and everything like that. But it's definitely got that Evil Dead sense of humor to it that's appealed to me. Like, trapping item boxes and sending out a bunch of tiny ashes to go attack like your survivors and everything Mm -hmm. like that like that's so much fun controlling the deer's head in the cabin and like jumping out and spooking people like that is so much fun and just um i just think that there was also more ways for you to play this like i think dead by daylight like yes each killer plays differently but it's all about finding the survivors and preventing them from doing the generators meanwhile this is more of a multi-step process okay they've got to find the map pieces then they've got to go get the dagger um and then they can go and try to attack the ancients and meanwhile you as the demon like i said i'm going to mainly talk about that because that's who i played as you just have so much freedom to set up your path and lay traps and decide how you want to go after these survivors and the main reason for me um that i don't really get into these games is i do not like playing games online i do not like talking to strangers i do not like interacting with people i don't know and i very rarely excuse me i very rarely have a party of four or more people to play online with so for me to be able to pop in there as the demon and tear apart this group it was it was wonderful for me like i I really love doing that um But yeah, yeah, I really, really dug my time with this game. And I do think this is one, like, they have continued to update it. I actually think I'll probably spend more time going back. Like, if I had to pick, even though I'm more of a Ghostbusters fan, I think I'm probably going to spend more time with Evil Dead if I could only go back to one. That's how damn good it is. I'm surprised you and I never played this together. We need to we need to rectify that. I would love to, but uh, I'm playing against you. Oh, <laughs> I'll play. No. I'll hop on survivors. To I, play I, with you. I think. Yeah, I think I only ever played as the monster once, to be honest. Um, that's, oh, it's so good. Like just, I got so ridiculously good at it. Just yeah. destroying people. You can play on my team. I don't want to. There is don't, something don't so satisfying about just wrecking an entire team. Uh, with you only as with one tree person. branch arms and everything yeah whipping them around sticking yeah. them in the butthole all that fun stuff <laughs> that's uh i think that's your fourth mention of buttholes today <laughs> 
Look, I just I had a quota and now that I've hit it, my check is in the mail. <laughs> Today's sponsor is Buttholes. Buttholes. And Cheddar Scratch Kitchen. Everyone has one and they all stink. That's um right. anyway. <laughs> Uh, that's no, that's a, that's a great pick. I, I, I do want, I feel like that's one of those games I'm going to leave on my hard drive kind of indefinitely and just come back to it every, you know, every Halloween season and kind of get into it again for a few hours and then just leave it for next year. Um, okay. My number four pick, and I'll try to be quick with this one because I know a lot of people absolutely loathe this game. Um, but fuck you. I love this game anyway, and I will defend it to the ends of the earth, even though I think it destroys any credibility. I, if I ever had any, uh, Crossfire X from developer Smilegate. Uh, shout out to the one Korean developer that isn't making fucking PUBG. Uh, no, but for real, Crossfire X is a game I, I adore so, so much. And, uh, this is the last game I'll put on my list that that ticks the reminds me of a simpler time, somewhat nostalgic kind of thing where I, I grew up Cronky and I, when we were younger, we played a lot of the original Crossfire on PC, um, which, you know, at the time we didn't realize it was just a poor man's free to play. Um, uh, what is the uh, what am I trying to say? CSGO Counter-Strike. And um I don't know, like I, I as a kid, for some reason, it was like there's something about the original Crossfire game where it was like kind of the like adult forbidden fruit game where it was like, oh, I'm playing this game where like you have knives and guns and it's like it's a little mature. And normally I'm really into like the kid games, but there's something about this game where it's kind of fun. You know, this is a pre Call of Duty era where I was just really into this game. And when Crossfire X came back, something about it just kind of recaptured that feeling. And I didn't realize this was something I even missed from my childhood. It kind of scratches that same part of my brain. That's like oddly nostalgic for like RuneScape, even though it's a game I'll never probably ever in a million years go back to, but there's just something about crossfire where it calls back to a simpler time of online shooting where it wasn't about all, all the maps and the battle passes and all the items. And, you know, this game has some of those trappings of modern gaming conventions, but for the most part, I think what really makes this game shine is it's just it's pure simplicity. It's like it's like going into like Deathmatch or Gary's Mod or like old Counter-Strike. And the idea isn't like you get into a matchmaking lobby and you play the next match, the next match, the next match. And you try to grind and fucking make a 360 no scope montage and tell everyone about how you're going to fuck their grandmother. It's like not that at all. This is a game about hop into a match. Maybe there's no fucking time limit. Maybe there's no fucking kill limit. You just kill things and you run around and you burn time just having pure joy playing the game and the game is super rough around the edges it took a long time for them to refine the controls and get it to where it felt super good and i understand in a world where call of duty is like the gold standard of what a first person shooter should feel like halo infinite had just come out a few months prior when this game was released the xbox is a platform that is no stranger to phenomenal world-class first-person shooting games. I understand why you might see a game like Crossfire X and be like, yeah, that thing's rough around the edges. Pass. You know, it's tough competition. But for me, this game hit right. And there's there's this other element of it where this game had these two really short two-hour campaigns. One was developed by Smilegate, and the other was developed by uh, Remedy, the guys that make Alan Wake and Quantum Break and... and um, all these really wonderful Xbox games we all know and love. And there's something crazy about this game where so much of that remedy DNA got injected into this game to where I actually grew an attachment to the, the stories and the characters and thought this world was really cool, especially the remedy campaign. Uh, the first of the two in this game uh, where it, it honestly feels like what if Alan wake, but, or what if quantum break, but call of duty, 
And it's fucking crazy. Like it's got the first person shooting moment to moment corridor kind of generic first person shooter shit. But the atmosphere and the storytelling feels a lot more mature, a lot deeper, a lot more interesting and compelling um, like Remedy is known to do with their games, you know, like fucking Max Payne and Control and things like that. And so I, I don't know. This game just did it for me on so many levels. It had that Remedy element to it and their developer I love and respect so much. It had that old kind of simpler time PC first person shooter, no purpose, just have fun kind of turn off your brain shooting moment. And um, it just when you put all that together, it just it just made me so happy. And on top of that, I really love the factions in this game. It has a very like uh, like Joe versus Cobra kind of G.I. Joe parallel or kind of relationship. And I think this world is sorely lacking in G.I. Joe video games, the good ones at that. And so Crossfire X does also, you know, it's like I can kind of close my eyes and pretend this is the G.I. Joe game we never got. And it also makes me satisfied in that way. So I don't know. Crossfire X, say what you want. People, I feel like completely missed the point of what this game is supposed to be. It is definitely supposed to be more Counter-Strike than it is Call of Duty. And people just gave this game endless hell about not enough maps. Uh, the controls aren't as refined. Find. There are other games that are more polished, but when you just let this game be its pure self, I think it's I think it's a great Game Pass title. I think it's a great you know couple of weekends or, or um, it, I don't know. It just to, to me it was just a great supplemental multiplayer game for when I wasn't feeling Halo Infinite, for when I wasn't feeling Call of Duty, and for that I just really appreciate having something different in a genre that is very crowded and very uh, in a lot of ways very tired. So. It's Crossfire X. Hunter, did you have any familiarity with this game at all? <laughs> no, I I actually had to look this up, and it's I love I, I love hearing um, you be so passionate about it because I immediately pull it up and like the first result is this is the second worst game of 2022 oh, according yeah. to Metacritic. Oh, people hate um, this game. <laughs> so I did not know the reputation of this game. I'm not even familiar with the franchise. Um, so you're talking to me. This is not a genre that. I am super familiar with. I just didn't grow up with first person shooters and it wasn't like a huge genre for me. And I'm still not super into FPS, but at the end of the day, look, dude, if you got what you wanted from this game, that's all that matters. And I believe in that. Like that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, it is weird because this is a, this franchise has just been a, a silent killer, I guess uh, for us here in the West, because while, while it isn't really established here, it's uh it's, for a long, long time, it was the number one first person shooter in the world uh, between Korea, China and Russia, where it has its biggest audience. And probably I think it's in India as well, which would obviously be a large market as well. Are you um, sure it's not a training tool in Russia? It might be. It feels pretty. <laughs> it feels pretty Russian. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, the, you know, the fun fact, the only Russian friend I ever had throughout my childhood uh, the first thing we ever bonded over, aside from Weird Al Yankovic, was that we both played Crossfire. So now that I'm older, I'm connecting the dots. It is, damn. <laughs> Weird Al sure that- is universal, and so is Crossfire. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to continue to adore and love this game and, and come back to it um, every now and then and enjoy a little bit of it. Uh, they, By the way, they had a, an amazing Halloween event. Shout out to all those, uh, the Halloween map and those cute little gun skins that made bats and ghosts fly out of your gun when you shoot. Anyway, uh, let's, let's move on. Hunter, would you like to get into your number three? Yeah. So number three is probably a game that maybe you've, you've heard of and maybe you even played Jesse, but I definitely did not hear anybody talk about this game. It's funny. Like, I feel like my bottom three, I had to bring up games that I felt like 
kind of came and went or weren't discussed about because my top two are games that feels like everybody on the planet played this year. Um, so, but my number three uh, was uh, a, a gentleman named Sam Barlow is the director for this. And it was um, one of these, these game series or I guess styles that you really like Jesse. It's one of an interactive uh, film video games and it was called mm -hmm. immortality. Uh, first off, have you heard of this? Or have I you have. Played this? No, I have. I have not played it. I have heard of it. This is uh, also on my recent list of everyone's talking about this. You got to give it a try and see what it's all about. Yeah. Immortality is one of those games that I will not recommend this game to everybody. Um, it is a super hard sell unless you know what you were getting involved in. But this was totally a perfect way for me and my girlfriend to spend two nights like we just got totally caught up in this game and it's basically you are a film editor and you were sitting there and you were trying to uncover the mystery of this character named marissa marcel who was in three movies uh one from 1968 one from 1970 and one from 1999 and none of them were ever released and she has gone missing and you're trying to solve the mystery of what happened to this character and how you do it is it's almost like a point and click style adventure you will get a film clip and then pretty much everything in that clip is clickable whether that is a necklace that a character is wearing whether that's the clapperboard that they use to start that scene whether that is the just the character's face that you're selecting and it is non um it is not chronological this game develops in the way that you explore it so i might click on this necklace which is a cross and it takes me to a cross that is in the film i might have started out in 1968 and it jumps to 1999's film and you were piecing together the pieces of what happened to this character and what happened to this it also introduces or it also uses a scrub mechanic so you're rewinding and fast forwarding through clips and then it takes on this like super horror feeling like i can't talk about this game or think about it without actually getting chills um because it does get very very chilling and what you are left with when you reach the end of the game is something that I think is going to stick with me for a incredibly long time. If for horror, this is not like a slasher movie. This is not something like that. This is very Lynchian in its approach. If you were into Twin Pinks or specifically like Mahal and Drive, you will be totally into this. This really sunk its teeth into me. And uh, I don't think it's something that I'm going to forget about. It's uh, don't read anything about it. Download it. It's on Game Pass. Dive in. And I actually found out this game actually got purchased by Netflix. And if you are watching Netflix on your phone, you can play it that way as well. Um, so there are multiple ways for you to check it out, but this was an Xbox exclusive. And uh, I, I think people need to check out Immortality. It's some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, actually, you just taught me more about this game than I ever knew. I, the only thing I really knew about it was it's just it came out recently and it just seems like every notable person in the Xbox sphere on social media is just raving about what a great experience this game is. Um, let me ask, is it, I, I'm not familiar with uh, Twin Peaks and all that stuff that Kronky's probably mad at me right now if he's listening, but um, is, is Twin Peaks like it's horror or it has an eerie horror feeling to it, but it's not actually horror and it's in, in the nature of its storytelling. So there is like, so it's, it's a mystery and you were uncovering these elements with 
things that are not fully explained. Like if you're looking for answers at the end of this game, you can try to piece them together for yourself. And there are some there, but ultimately at the end, you're left with more questions than you have answers. Um, Mm. It is more a dive into something that is uh, profound and and something Mm. that is just deeply innate in human nature that you can't really grasp and you're not supposed to. Um, Okay. And if you're like me, that can kind of stick with you and that can kind of like get into your psyche and really trip you out a bit. Uh, When you first come across your, I'll describe it as just like a jump. Um, When you first come across your interaction um, that starts to explain this mystery, it will legitimately like shock you. Um, It is startling in the best way, but not in like a loud noise or a bang way or something horrifying. It's just like, what the fuck is going on right now? I am unnerved. Um, and the sound design plays like a huge part of that. And it's just like this constant, like, like brown note, just like make you absolutely like terrified for your life while having this, this mystery moment. Um, it is so good though. Interesting. No, that is, that is compelling. It doesn't sound a hundred percent like what I'm about to compare it to, but the closest, I think touchstone I have for something like this would be like um, developer Fulbright, like their games Tacoma gone home. Sure. Um, where yeah. Very much that. I don't know if you've ever played either of those games, but uh, yeah, no, 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 maybe gone home. I, I, you know, I have really good memories of that and, and checking that out, but this is the, yeah, I would definitely say that this is even more abstract than that. Like it's even hard to describe it. Yes. It's a game, but it's more of just interactive storytelling. It's almost like, um, this is your, this is a digital puzzle and you Mm. are finding the pieces and how they all fit together. Yeah. That's that. Mm, that's one of those like you, you got to be in the mood for it but i feel like once you sit down and play with it you end up really appreciating it yeah we have a lot yeah. of a lot of cl- ca- sorry palate cleansers on our list so far <laughs> that is uh this game and i played it at like the best possible time like we started this like when it was dark out already and dove in and we got like our first like horror moment like two and a half hours into it and it was like 10 30 at night and all the lights were off oh yeah and it was just like the only source of light in the entire house was the christmas tree and we're just like and it was like <laughs> oh my god um totally psyched us out okay I'm 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 fast tracking this on the list. I, I definitely want to check this out. Okay. Um. All right. That means we're on three. Yeah. My number three. <clears throat> sorry. I almost almost just choked on nothing. Um. <clears throat> my number three is the only game on my list that wasn't released in 2022. And man, I for, for as a guy who just constantly talks about how he's not that into horror, I guess we're gonna stick with the horror or horror adjacent kind of uh thing we've been doing here. Um, because my number three game is 2008's Dead Space by developer Visceral, published by EA. Before EA were a bunch of dumb, stupid pieces of shit, and they shut down Visceral. Tiny brain people, tiny brain decision to do that. Everyone hates you for it, EA. But now, don't worry, they're remaking the first game. So I guess we all just forgive them now and buy the remake for $70. But Dead Space 2008, this is a game that I will forever uh, hate myself for not having played sooner. Uh, Dead Space is an... And I, I, I mean this, I don't say this lightly because I, I'm, 
I'm very comfortable with the idea of like, I like a lot of games that are technically not great. You know, like I love Sonic. I know a lot of Sonic games aren't great. I like Crossfire X. We just talked about it. I know it's technically a bad game. I like it. Shut up. Dead Space is a game that is truly and objectively immaculate. This is an absolute pinnacle, I, like poster child um, example of what a horror action game should and can be. Um, if we're going to try to put it in some kind of like subcategory of like horror, right? I would say this is m- most closely associated with like where games like Resident Evil 4 or like those Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes would be kind of like that era of horror where it's a little more actiony than it is like slow and methodical and jump scary and stuff like that. But Dead Space, uh, I think far surpasses uh, Resident Evil. And I, I, I just think this is one of the ultimate examples of atmospheric storytelling. When you think about when I think about games that are masters in, in environmental storytelling, Metroid, Bioshock, these are games that come to mind. I think dead space absolutely 100% belongs in that upper echelon of games where this game just kind of opens up. It gives you the bare minimum you need to kind of understand who are you? Why are you here? What's going on? And then the game just unfolds in every fucking second of this game matters because you'll be so deeply invested in this world and what's going on and and, and what happened in this on the space station that you just you'll just so, soak up everything from the major plot points to the side characters to like the subplots and this game is just it's just so beautifully woven together where everything is so interesting everyone is so compelling uh, I just feel like we don't get games like this anymore. And coming fresh off the heels of Callisto Protocol, which is uh, basically, you know, new developers striking distance, which is a team of X visceral X dead space um, developers and X Call of Duty sledgehammer developers. Um, that That is a game that I think is phenomenal, but severely misses uh the mark on on what dead space the original dead space was able to capture back in 2008 um just everything about this game is i just adore it the insanely creative uh hud system where it's like try to take everything off the hud as 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 much as you humanly can and try to make it as utilitarian as possible so instead of just like an arbitrary video game health bar splatted on the screen uh it's like your suit displays like these bars of energy that's your health and so you just got to be paying attention to your character and your environment which adds the cinematic feel to it which adds the atmospheric feel to it because there is no arbitrary fourth wall breaking video game hud you're paying attention to this world and to this environment to gather all the information you need to make sense of what's going on and i just i adore that endlessly there's just so much creativity and so much artistic value in what what they created with this game um, now 13 years ago uh the idea of like you're you're an engineer so you don't have guns you know you have these engineering tools which you can kind of use as weapons to your advantage and you know it's it's yeah the combat is shooter combat but you're not just shooting things in the head for headshots because it's the fastest way to kill it's like all these enemies have different uh means of um weak spots in 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 ways in which you should approach them and fighting the limbs you know like shoot the legs shoot the arms that's that's the weak spot once you get them once you get all the limbs off that's when you can kind of get them vulnerable and curb stomp your enemies so they don't like come back and bite you once you pass them and just really creative approaches to combat um, just insane immersion and it's just i think this game is absolutely immaculate i sat down playing it because it was one of those games on my backlog that i just have always felt guilty i've never given it a, a fair shake so i said you know it's halloween time time to play something horror for my backlog and within 20 minutes of booting this game up i was just like 
my God, I'm, I'm always bitching and moaning on this podcast. I miss 2008. I miss Left 4 Dead. I miss Sonic Unleashed. I miss Guitar Hero. I miss this. I miss being a kid. Why is my hair thinning? And all of a sudden, it's like, dude, one of the greatest experiences from this era was right in front of me this whole time, and I just never played it. And uh, I don't know, there's, so, there's, there's such a special moment for me to be able to experience something so great from a time period I adore so much that I just never never given much of a thought to. And I, I am so grateful. I so glad I went back and played this game because it is truly an amazing game. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have anything to add beyond what you've said. I just, it's got me, it's weird to be nostalgic for games that will perpetually in my mind be like, Oh yeah, man. Like when that dropped three years ago, that was one of the best games. <laughs> like <laughs> it is, it is one of those games that it will always just be, just a couple years back and when i look at the timeline i'm like oh god oh dear um but it, it's just got me very nostalgic for that period of gaming because we had reached a point where you know high definition gaming was really coming into its own and we were able to make games that like you had never seen before and in a world where a lot of things um can can feel kind of recycled or it's a trend chasing or, or whatever like looking back at this and looking at bioshock and so many other games from the um late 2000s when just video games were really coming into this immersive art form uh, uh, like cinematic style um it's just got me feeling a special way um about that time period and I, i'm just so glad that these games still hold up and they're there for you and um people can go back and play these like i'm so glad like we're at a point where people are open to going back and playing quote-unquote retro games without that <laughs> stigma now yeah um yeah yeah i mean and that, this is no like fanboy shilling for my for xbox but like i mean this is one of the reasons why i love xbox is because i had dead space it was a games with gold or ea play or some bullshit at some point who cares all i had to do was just go to my library i'm like oh yeah there's dead space i never played it i have it there it is because this is a console all about giving players great access to a massive library of games about preserving the history of gaming and i mean no doubt xbox is the, the superior platform when it comes to trying to bring everything that came before it forward every time they take a step into the next generation um, or whatever. I know that sounds like I'm just like getting paid by Microsoft to say that, but it, no, this is th these kinds of moments are truly why I love Xbox so much. Cause I'm like, yes, like the, I, I would have had such a pain in the ass time playing this game if it's like, okay, so I got to go on eBay and buy a 360 cause my 360s disc drive is broken. Okay. So I bought this one and I have to buy the game physically. I got to make sure it's not scratched and, what a miserable experience, but I'm able to just play this game like it's like it's a Steam title. And um, it just it makes, you know, reaching back into the catalog and accessing this stuff easy. All right. Yeah. Pay me, Microsoft. There, I fucking said it. OK, <laughs> Phil, are you happy? I want sixty nine point seven billion dollars. <laughs> um, I don't know what we're saying anymore. You want to go ahead with your number two? Sure. Yeah, I would love to talk about my number two, because like I said, these final two games are definitely crowd pleasers. And I imagine a lot of people have played at least one of them or have probably played both of them. But uh, number two for me, I won't bury the lead any longer. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Hmm. Um, so as you know, we got two uh, Pokemon games earlier this year. We got uh, well, two games this year. We got Pokemon Legends. And then we also got Scarlet and Violet, which locked uh, back in November. And while I really, really really enjoyed my time with Scarlet and Violet. It's one of the best stories that we've possibly ever gotten in the Pokemon franchise. Arceus, on a sheer gameplay standpoint, is the Pokemon game that people have waited for for an incredibly long time. 
Um, this is the one that has finally delivered on the promise of you as a trainer going out into the open world and catching these Pokemon in a unique action way. And it was just so much fun. I got so hooked on this. Um, there was something about this just just really latched onto my 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 child heart um like i imagine a lot of people the pokemon franchise is the biggest thing on the planet earth um but like there's just something about this game in particular that has grabbed onto my heart in a way that a pokemon game has never had and i've just had the absolute best time with it i never go back and replay these games but both of the games that we got in the Pokemon series this year, I will probably be spending time with. Um, and I just really hope that Arceus serves as a template for the Pokemon franchise going forward because, man, they got so much right here. And it was so much fun. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what I play games for. I want to have a fun time. And if you can trap me with the nostalgia like you can with Pokemon, it's a, it's a double KO. Like, it just works for me. And uh, this game... Uh, resonated with a ton of people. I mean, it was a huge critical uh, critical success. It's showing up on a lot of people's top fives this year, and it definitely had to show up on mine. Yeah, this is a... I usually don't play more than like one Switch game a year, but this game almost had me caving. Um, I, I've, I've been a lapsed Pokemon player probably since like Sun and Moon was the last one I played. And, and even with Sun and Moon, I was kind of forcing myself to play it at that point just because it was like a tradition. Um, but this was the first Pokemon game since then where I was like, I'm actually pretty interested to maybe give this game a go. I ultimately have it never got around to it. I still haven't played it, but I do think I will eventually play this game. Um, it, it is, it, it does seem like the Pokemon game we were all asking for like 15 years ago, but it's like, you know, we, and I don't mean this in a facetious way, like seriously, better late than never. At least they got around to, to doing something, um, different with it and, and, and kind of making the game we all wanted Pokemon to be in a way. Um, I, I do wonder if Game Freak and Nintendo will look at 2022 with both Scarlet and Violet and then with, uh, Arceus and, and then, Look at kind of the, the reception to both games. I know both have a little rough around the edges, had their their issues here and there. I, I have no doubt this is another one of those things where like the game was mostly fine, but people, you know, over exaggerate. The Internet goes above and beyond to try and make a big case out of something that's not not all that huge of a deal. Um, but I do wonder if the, the massive gap in reception, the difference between how people are talking about one of these games versus the other, if they'll reevaluate kind of the core of what this series has always been and kind of take the series in that new direction going forward and maybe start to slowly like, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe start to, uh, what, how do you want to say sunset the original Pokemon formula a little bit? Yeah. And I feel like we're already heading towards that. The problem with the Pokemon company is obviously this is just a, I I'm not here to break it down. There are so many podcasts or YouTube videos you can watch, but the Pokemon company is just a constantly moving behemoth and, you have to keep up with that and oftentimes adjustments and advancements that the franchise makes unfortunately get forgotten because the ship is already sailing and there's like no time to add it in. But the best thing they could do at this point is just take a long extended delay yeah. and uh, just really revitalize. And that's something I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with it, but I imagine it's come across your feed because it's huge news. But even the Pokemon anime is finally 
evolving after yeah. 25 years. They're stepping away from Ash and Pikachu and yeah. his adventures and bringing in new protagonists. And if they were ever going to do that reset, I feel like now is the time for them to do it. And I really love these Pokemon games this uh, that came out this year. Like I said, Arceus was my favorite one. I know some people say Arceus, by the way. I don't know which one's right. I've always yeah. said Arceus. Um, <laughs> but, okay. but anyways... Um, I just hope that the 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 perfect game for me and I imagine a lot of people is somewhere in between that one and, or Scarlet and Violet and this one. And if they can just find a way to combine that, uh, we'll be doing great. We'll be doing good. Yeah, I don't man. I, I, I always feel like I'm really missing out with Pokemon for some reason because it was such a big part of my my childhood. And I don't know why that that's one of the, the things from my childhood that I was able to just kind of move on from and not feel like any kind of like, I don't know, like some, like I was leaving behind a part of me or something, but for some reason I just, I want for Pokemon to pull, to grab me and pull me in again, but it, it just hasn't. And I'm, I'm waiting for that to change. Maybe I just need to push myself to try uh, Arceus and maybe that will Arceus slash Arceus. And maybe that will sway me or win me back it's, over. Uh, it's, it's literally sitting on my shelf waiting for you to come by, bud. Oh, I'm coming. Uh, yeah, I, I always forget Pokemon. Is, isn't it like it's like the biggest um, franchise in existence? It's like bigger, bigger than like like Mickey Mouse and Mario and everything else combined and all that shit. Correct. Because, yeah, it's not just the TV show and it's not just the video games. Um, it is the highest grossing franchise of all time um by by quite a bit um that's insane it's it's huge i think adjusted for inflation like winnie the pooh's ahead of it um but like (laughs) that's it and it's only like two billion dollars or something like that um kind of kind of blows my mind that disney didn't try to get that uh back in you know back when they probably had it more of a chance i imagine they did at one point but yeah, yeah i'm looking at it right now uh, Pokemon brings down or Pokemon has made sixty nine point two billion dollars in just merchandise. Sixty nine point um, two. And then active and then Microsoft used all that money to buy <laughs> fucking Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, to piss rep- off PlayStation. If anyone's curious, and I imagine uh, a lot of people are familiar with this, but if anyone's curious, like um Star Wars it's is at sixty-five billion, Pokemon is six billion ahead of that. And then even down the Marvel Cinematic Universe is forty billion. Uh-huh. Um Harry Potter thirty-two. So it's just massive, 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 massive. Wow. Goddamn Pokemon. Maybe when uh, Epic Universe o- opens, hopefully we get that that parade that has Pokemon in it uh that japan's yeah. getting anyway very off topic but you you make me every time i talk to you about pokemon hunter which is way more often than i than i, I think i realized you always make me want to believe again it's like i feel like I, i'm a kid who doesn't believe in santa claus but you make me excited about believing even though i the know first time it's my stepdad. The, the first time you sneak up on a snorlax from behind and you throw a Pokeball, and you catch him in one hit without ever starting a battle mechanic, without ever laying a hit, without ever putting him in sleep mode, you'll be a believer. You'll get it. Yeah. I want to be able to kill Snorlax. I want like a I want like a moral system, like a like a fable moral system in, in Pokemon. You want like, the little sister mechanic from from Bioshock, but it's whether or not you can kill Pikachu. Right, exactly. Uh, well, yeah, you did defeat all the trainers, but you, you killed a fair bit of Pokemon. <laughs> uh, anyway, 
I don't know why I always have to end these awkwardly by talking about someone dying, but uh, <laughs> mine, that was your number two, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we have you on because I suspect your number one is going to fill a void that I, I desperately uh, have just not been able to fulfill with my lack of interest. So I'm really excited to hear your number one. But if my number talking about two, scribble knots. Yes, we'll get to it. Scribble knots. They make a new one. Of those is that franchise still around? Scribble knots. Yep. Scribble knots is number one. OK, I hope I, I think you're joking, but we'll find out. Uh, my number two <laughs> selection is uh, nobody saves the world. Uh, developed by Drinkbox Studios. I'll be honest, I went back and forth a lot with whether or not this should be my number one or or my number two. And uh, the reason I settled on number two is because although I adore this game to hell and back, I can't see myself probably going back and playing this game maybe more than one other time, whereas my number one is a game I know I will come back to and replay from start to finish many times into the future and beyond. Uh, I don't know what's beyond the future because I'll probably be dead by then. There's my dead reference. And uh, yeah, nobody saves the world. This game is phenomenal. And it came out of nowhere, nowhere for me. Um, Dreambox Studios, uh, these are the famed developers behind Guacamelee. Uh, indie team that really made their you know cut their teeth with the guacamelee series which i also adore um and they play they made severed on which was originally a ps vita exclusive and originally eventually came to switch and phones and i played that on the vita back in the day nobody saves the world is nothing like anything they've ever made before the only thing that lets you know it's a drink box game is their iconic art style Um, but this game is a action dungeon crawling rpg uh, loot grinding kind of game uh, if you want to put it that way uh, loot grinding is maybe a little uh, that might be that might be a little bit of a stretch but with a procedurally generated kind of dungeon system none of that sounds like anything i would ever be interested in um, but I, I i literally tried this game solely on the fact that one it was in game pass and two it was developed by Drinkbox, and i really respect those guys and uh, this is one of those games where it's like, I'm so glad I got out of my comfort zone and gave something a try. Or I'm so grateful for Game Pass because it encourages people to play games they otherwise wouldn't play. Because this game is like something I want everyone to play. I, I genuinely hope that everyone listening to this podcast will at the very least give this game a go. Um, this game made no sense to me for the first 30 minutes, but I was helplessly addicted to it despite not really getting it for a little bit. And then as the game kind of comes together and you figure out what the game is, uh, it just becomes the most addicting loop. Uh, you know, speaking of Pokemon, Pokemon's a game that's insanely addicting when you first get into it, uh, because of that, like, okay, I want to catch all these Pokemon. Okay. I want to get to the next gym. Okay. I want to level these guys up. This game has a little bit of that where you're constantly just being beaten over the head with this dopamine hit of like, you start out as this nobody. Uh, literally that's that's the point of the game is like you're this like white stick figure looking like nothing character with like no details no features and you come across this magic wand that grants you the ability to change form into all these different creatures and objects and things and it starts out like harmless enough it's like oh you can be a rat you can be a horse and then it gets really ridiculous it's like you can be a zombie mermaid you can be an egg you can be <laughs> like all this ridiculous shit and the the basic loop of the game is you had to collect these wands to unlock dungeons and go through the dungeons and complete them in order to progress to the next area of the map and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, you have to stop this evil force, whatever. And I won't get too into the story because spoilers and whatnot. Um, but the the loop becomes so addicting because it's like, okay, you unlock the rat, right? And the rat has a different move set, different movement speed can access certain areas of the map that other forms can't access. But the rat 
you'll go through a dungeon. It'll be like, oh, the rat's a really good character for this dungeon because he has this ability, whatever. You beat the dungeon and then it's like, okay, now you've unlocked the bodybuilder form or the monk form or the robot form. And this form will have different a different moveset. But then you can start to like build your own classes based on like, okay, I want to be the robot, but I want the rat's ability to bite and I want the zombie's ability to do that poisonous scratch thing. And you can start to like form your own class based on all the different attributes of the characters as you unlock more. And it just becomes so addicting and so fun to go and approach your next dungeon. And these dungeons are so fast. They're like 10 to 20 minutes max. And and it's all just like button mashy kind of combos and, and just hitting all your different attack abilities. Nothing slow and methodical about it. And you just go up to approach every dungeon. And you're like, okay, well, what, okay, this is the enemy type. Every dungeon has like a different kind of like stipulation or like, oh, these enemies are immune to this. And so you think about what what forms you have unlocked and what different attacks might be best suited for this dungeon. It becomes really fun to constantly not only unlock new forms and new abilities, but to also mix and match and kind of custom build them. It's like Skylanders swap force meets Pokemon in this kind of way where it's just like, you just want to mix and match all the different shit you're unlocking and progressing towards and just make new forms. And it's so ridiculous. It's so insane. And the game has that signature Drinkbox studios, charm and humor, some really funny moments in this game moments where you legitimately laugh out loud. And it just, uh, it, this game was so insanely addicting when I played it, it took me about, I think it's a, it's like a 15 hour game. If you just want to get from point A to point B and finish the thing, it took me about 30 hours to complete it. And the reason I note that is because I'm generally a pretty, like, let's just beeline the main objective and then go back and play other stuff. If the game is good enough to warrant it. But this was one of those games where I'm like, no, I'm going to take my time and go through everything and just really, Really enjoy everything this game has to offer as I slowly progress through because it was just so fun to explore, unlock, progress, customize, and I, I just absolutely adore this game. Again, another one of those games. It's on Game Pass. If you haven't played this, I don't really feel bad if a meteor crashes in your house and kills everyone you love. You know, that's all I'm saying. Um, Hunter, do you have anything to say about Nobody Saves the World? Man, I wish I did. Um, this is one of those games that I'm very familiar with the title, um, but I just did not play. <laughs> However, like uh, you were talking when you were talking about Tinker Toy, um, you're saying things that definitely appeals to me um, and things that I would love to check out. And frankly, I know this is the Xbox cast, but this seems like a perfect game for me to play on my Switch. So I'll probably check it out there. Yeah, no, this is be a great Switch game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like it's on sale right now, no less. Look at you. Yeah. I so I mean how much. And if you don't and if you don't like the game, I will not reimburse you because there's something wrong with you. You are mentally unstable if you don't like this game. No, I mean <laughs> I've spent sixteen bucks on worse. I've spent sixteen bucks on that shitty chicken sandwich more than a couple times. So, I, I know you begin yeah. those anime graphic novels on Switch for sixteen dollars. How do you know? How do you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know a lot of people who listen to the show really adore this game as well. I've gotten many comments from you guys talking about how much you two have enjoyed this game. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to what I think is, you know, well, in early in the year when most people were raving about uh, Elden Ring going on and on about how great Elden Ring was, I was just losing my shit about Nobody Saves the World. To me, this is definitely the game that really made that first part of 2022. And goddamn, it's so good. But uh, Hunter, let's uh, we're, we're there. Let's hear your number one pick. What was your favorite game you played in 2022? You know, I'm going to be one of those people just going on and on and on about Elden Ring because I do think that is the game that is missing from our list so far. Um, I am not a huge from software person. Um, that is not to say I don't like their games. It just none of them have really resonated with me um, in the sense of like they do for uh, like like they do for a lot of people. Um, Blood. Bloodborne was probably the closest 
and that was a PlayStation exclusive, and I haven't had a PlayStation since the PS2, so it was just not possible for me to play it. Um, but Elden Ring came in. I just remember reading the hype for this and just getting these very strong Lord of the Rings vibes that really appealed to me, and I was all over it. Uh, I will be straightforward. This is not a game that I've completed. It did reach a point where I had to step away, and... Um, Whenever I step back into it, I promptly just get my ass kicked and I, I can't progress any further. Um, I'm really just going to have to grind it out at some point. But I really do think this is one of the best games. The way that people talk about Breath of the Wild and in the same reverence um, as far as like the 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 exploration element of it and the choosing your own path and, and forging your own destiny. Elden Ring has fully capitalized on that with a super intriguing and full world. Um, something I forgot to mention is that this is brought to you, of course, by George R. Martin of Game of Thrones fame, and he's just really brought this special world to life with his storytelling. And between that and the From Software character design and their gameplay, they've just really made a game that's very, very special. And I honestly think that Elden Ring is the next generation Skyrim where this is just going to be that game that people play forever. This is going to be the game that 11 years after the fact, people are still exploring and playing and posting YouTube videos that get hundreds of thousands of views. Um, Elden Ring was really special, and it's going to continue to stick around for a very, very long time. And this is one of the few times when a game that everybody has loved and agreed on as one of the best things to happen I was right there alongside with them. Uh, Elden Ring totally, totally was great. Hmm. Now, be honest. Was your actual answer uh, Scribble Knots and then I kind of bullied you out of admitting it? Or was um, it Elden Ring? I don't even. I thought Scribble Knots like ended in 2015. I'm not okay. gonna lie. I, 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 I did too. So I was. Yeah. I was okay. All right. I was yeah, also wrong. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, the Angry Birds RC Kart <laughs> Racer uh, was my actual number one, and then I decided I had to put an actual game game on here. I am shocked that you put the Angry Birds Angry Birds Kart Racer ahead of the Garfield one, knowing <laughs> what a Garfield fan you are. Well, look, just there's something about the mechanics in the Angry Bird one that just. Puts it a level beyond the Garfield one. And, and what do you think makes these birds so fucking angry all the time? What do they have to be so goddamn angry about? Gas prices because <laughs> they're burning through them in these cars. I could fly for free, but I choose to be upset about gas prices because driving. This uh, is the this is the Sonic Cart uh, conversation all over again. It's oh why no. the Sonic the this no. is why the Sonic Running game was no. the only accurate Sonic race. No, it's not the same because not everybody is on equal footing. It's not fair. Sonic can run super fast, and everybody else has to drive. So Sonic has to also be in a car to make the can playing field level. The okay, sunshine? okay, yes. It oh, man, so up your day. <laughs> This is socialist Sonic, okay? Where everyone has to be equal. We all have to say. <laughs> I do not believe that bunny can run as fast as Sonic. There's no world where that bunny can run as fast as my blue boy. All right, we'll table Sonic for a second. Um, yeah, Elden Ring is through all of 2022. I feel, honestly, I feel like if Xbox on <clears throat> um, in any way stunted its growth because we had really good momentum heading into 2022, I feel like it was probably the one-two punch of me not giving a shit about Elden Ring, and this is a one-man podcast, so there's no one else to talk about it. And uh, and two, me over-praising uh, Crossfire X, a game which you just confirmed is the second worst-rated game of 2022. Um, but uh, no, I'm glad you were able to bring up Elden Ring because we've sorely needed some representation for that game on this podcast. Um, 
The thing is, I keep thinking about it because you, you mentioned Skyrim, and I think you're dead on. This is no doubt like the next Skyrim, the next coming of Skyrim with that water cooler kind of moment in gaming. I wonder if this will be like Skyrim for me, where I just keep writing it off for 10 years and then I'll play it in 2020, 2032 and I'll be like, guys, so here's what I've been playing. That's right. I talk about like fucking Taco Bell for the billionth time on this podcast. So this week I've been playing Elden Ring. It's pretty good, I guess. And then everyone will be like, yeah, fucking idiot. Um, so I, I, I do wonder if that's the case. I'm, I'm just like, I do still plan on giving it a, a, a fair try when it comes out to or when it comes to game pass because that's my assumption is that this game will come to game pass at some point um but you know with with it selling as strong as it has there's no fucking reason to put it on game pass because everyone in the world's already bought it uh and because everyone who wants to play it is going to continue to buy it so i don't know i'm I, maybe i'm i'm kind of losing out by not just caving in and buying the game at this point but i do still plan on giving it a, a, a try at some point I just Man, I can just like you you rave about how it's such a great game and you and you didn't finish it. I know it's like even if I like it, I'll probably only get like two hours in before I give up. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, it's one of those things where obviously the combat is like a huge part of it. You feel like you're overcoming something. And there are a lot of mechanics here that um, allow the game to be a lot more, uh, I think, defeatable. Um but the truth is you just reach a certain point where you've got to go back and grind. And while the grinding is really fun, I just, uh, you, you, I talked about this when we hung out recently, but, and I imagine a, a large part of your audience can relate, but I'm really bad at getting back to games during a break. Not I bad. think like when I put this game down was when I was moving and that was like, here's a two, three week break while I'm handling all of this. And then it's just like, Oh dear. I don't know how to get back into this. It's very hard for me to get back into the habit of something after I've dropped it. And unfortunately, Elden Ring was a case of that. Despite this, uh, like I said, I think if Evil Dead was my most played game this year, um, Elden Ring was right underneath it. I mean, we're still talking something that I put dozens of hours into and mm. uh, got decently far into. I think I'm over the halfway point, but I've really just got to go back and finish it. Without finishing it, though, I can definitely say it's the best experience that I've had in gaming this year yeah I mean, that i mean that speaks volumes to the game if, if you can if you can feel like listen the quality of experience i had the time i spent with this game despite not seeing it through the end was so great that it was my favorite i mean that 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 speaks volumes to how great a game is and so no i've definitely been there with games i mean I, I barely played skyrim and i put it on my list last year as uh one of my favorite games that i can't believe i i never got around to until uh, at the time at least do you have anything else to say about Skyrim before we move or Elden Elden Ring before <laughs> whatever generic medieval fantasy everyone's stupid except for me because we're talking about Sonic next now do you, do you have anything else you'd like to add um I, you know Elden Ring's a big game so I want to give you all the time to say what you got to say no, not at all. I think we've covered it. And honestly, people have already decided whether or not they like Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm probably the one person who's like still like, hmm, should I give it a go? <laughs> Literally, everyone's played it. Um, all right. Well, my number one game, and this will come as no surprise to absolutely anyone, is Sonic Frontiers. And uh, listen, I'll be honest. I know a lot of you guys rolling your eyes. Of course, Jesse picked Sonic. Listen, I did seriously think for for a good minute there that I was going to put Sonic as number two and nobody saves the world as number one. The only reason why I didn't is, is like I just alluded to earlier. Sonic Frontiers is a game that I will no doubt go back and play start to finish time and time again. I've already started a second playthrough. 
and I already put 35 hours into my first save file. And so I, you know, that's a lot for me as someone who has like no fucking time to ever play video games. Um, so Sonic Frontiers, this game, I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I love Sonic. I'm I'm one of those Sonic fans where like, you know, it's like, you know, how they say bad pizza is still good pizza. Um, bad Sonic to me is still Sonic and I still enjoy it. I always find something to enjoy about it. I haven't truly been head over heels enamored in love, like just head over the moon or whatever the fucking saying is with a Sonic game since 2010 Sonic colors. And even that was not, you know, as adored by me uh, compared to 2008's Sonic Unleashed, which is to this day, one of my top five favorite games of all time. I absolutely love that era of Sonic and um, uh, you know, 2017 Sonic Forces. Everyone rips on that game. It is technically a very bad game, just has really good music and some things I, I like. I've still put 50 hours into that game, despite the fact that it's a bad game, even though it only takes like four and a half hours to beat. The point I'm trying to get at is I was prepared with Sonic Frontiers. Sorry, I got a lot to say about Sonic. I was prepared with Sonic Frontiers for this to be. I, I really thought going into my, my, my reaction was going to be this is a step in the right direction. This is the best Sonic has been in a little while, but it's still not up to snuff with the, the heyday of Sonic, you know, Sonic Unleashed, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, um, those kinds of 3D Sonics. And uh, God, I'm so grateful to be wrong with this game because it, it's absolutely everything Sonic has needed to evolve and become. And I didn't even realize this franchise needed that. I was so satisfied with the boost formula Sonic games that had been introduced um, with Sonic Unleashed and Sonic Generations and all that, that I was just really hoping that we would get a Sonic game that was super AAA, super polished, super lengthy, and uh, really thoughtfully developed with a decent budget and decent timeline um, akin to a Sonic Unleashed. But what we ended up getting was this whole, like, let's scrap what we've been doing for the past decade or so. Let's do something new. And the open zone, open world concept really did make me nervous because I, I as I always say, I, I'm not a fan of open world games. I'm really tired of them. There's just too much of this shit. Uh, the Zelda Breath of the Wild influence had me a little bit on edge. Um, but honestly, like I, like I said, when I was first playing it a month ago, this game, despite it looking like it's heavily influenced by Breath of the Wild, and there's no doubt, of course it is, um, its major influence is actually uh, is actually Mario Odyssey. Um, this game has that amazing, fun gameplay loop that Mario Odyssey had, where it's like, we're going to set you loose in a world, um, and instead of being like, here's your objective, re go from point A to point B, hit the objective, we'll pull you out of the level, objective complete, move on to the next level. Instead of doing that, we'll just drop you in a huge fucking playing space, and there are multiple objectives, multiple things you should be aiming to do, uh, but just fucking let loose. Explore, jump on things, find places, collect things, whatever. In Mario Odyssey, of course, the, the reason why that's so why that's so compelling and why that works so well is because Mario is the pinnacle of 3d platforming. You know, you play Mario, Gal Mario Odyssey. It's so fun to jump on things and to try to triple jump and see how far, if you can close that gap with, by throwing your hat and jumping onto it and all these things. And that's what makes Mario so good. It's just such a great platformer with Sonic. It, you know, Sonic's a, a good platformer, but it's not a Mario tier platformer. What makes Sonic frontier so special is it really plays into the whole speed is this thing. You know, we're not going to put platforms that that force you to stop speeding or, or stop and try to meticulously do tight platforming. We're just going to put you in a fucking world and you're going to go nuts. You're just going to run around everywhere. And the way they pull it off is so it's, it's just so fun. 
the game is constantly like, okay, so here's a portal. You want to get a portal key so you can unlock this cyberspace level. But to do that, you got to collect these memory tokens. To collect memory tokens, what do you got to do? Explore. You just run around the world, jump on these little platforming sections, go on these like loop-de-loops and grinding rails, and you feel like a fucking god just running around. I, I always say, even though it is definitely very heavily inspired by games like Mario Odyssey, when you're playing it moment to moment, it feels like the kind of fun traversal of a game like Sunset Overdrive or or Spider-Man, where it's like, I don't even care if I'm playing the objective. I just love traversing. I just love moving in this play space. It's so fun. And the fact that they managed to take Sonic's main, you know, his main mechanic, which is speed, which has always been controversial because people are like, why would I want to run through a platformer that just makes platforming difficult? They were able to take that concept and just play to its strengths to such a degree that they, I think they finally create a winning formula for Sonic that's indisputably the direction Sonic needs to be headed in, headed in. And then on top of that, have a return to form with some care and attention to the world and the storytelling of Sonic. I know it sounds silly to people. It's a furry game or Sonic is like for kids, whatever, but Sonic, you know, as someone who's always read the comics, as someone who's always been invested in the, in the franchise, Sonic does have really cute, really fun, you know, storytelling with characters that are compelling and it's, it's a feel good Saturday morning kind of thing. And you, you gravitate towards the characters and you want to see those interactions and things like that. And Sonic has been sorely missing that, but this game, they hired Ian Flynn, the writer of the comic series to do the story for this game. And he just did a fucking amazing job. He references all the, all the classic Sonic games uh, within this game. They reference um, just all the developments that the characters have had through the, through the comic series, which is now part of the canon of the Sonic universe. And they've given the game a compelling story. It has that weird Japanese thing where it's like, I know this game is for kids, but for some reason, the ending is kind of making me cry. Why the fuck am I crying for Dr. Eggman? This makes no fucking sense, but it, it works. And they have got um, Otani, uh, Tomoya Otani, just with his amazing score, this game's music, you know, no exception to the rule. Sonic has always had the best soundtracks, the best, the best OSTs of any gaming franchise in this game just kills it with just amazing music, beautiful, peaceful, calming piano melodies while you're in the open world. And then you get into the cyberspace levels or boss fights. And it's just like energetic electronic music or more to the point you get in these boss fights and they got fucking Kellen Quinn from sleeping with sirens screaming. And they got these awesome fucking like Japanese, like metal songs that sound kind of like emo music from 10 years ago. I'm just, ah, oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, so I, I absolutely adore Sonic Frontiers. I understand Sega has done a really good job of tarnishing the fuck out of this franchise over the past 20 years. And for every good thing they do, they'll do five bad things. So I, I understand the meme and the and the frustration people have with, with the Sonic franchise. But if ever there were a time to kind of hit the reset button and give Sonic another chance, I think this game is no doubt where you should start. And uh, I think people who play this game will be very pleasantly surprised at this is a very, very fun. I, I don't I, it'd be almost hypocritical to say you enjoy games like Spider-Man or Mario Odyssey and then to play Sonic Frontiers and say, yeah, I just didn't find anything of value in this game because it's just it's just so fun to play at its most core level. And uh, I'll stop there because it's unfair for me to keep talking while <laughs> you've been succinct and and respectful and brief. I've been just rambling. So I'll stop there. Look, dude, it's your show. I think you need to talk about these things because Sonic Frontiers is a game that I know I'm going to play. Um, it is for sure one of the titles that I'm going to play next year. Um, it is not one of those titles that I immediately had to rush out to and play. Maybe I would have if it was on Game Pass or something like that. But I am going to pick it up. I'm going to play it. And I know I'm going to have a blast playing it. Everything I've seen seems like it's going to be... Uh, 
designed with one of my favorite styles of gameplay in mind. And Jesse, maybe you'll understand what I'm going for with this, but hearing people talk about Sonic Frontiers and like watching some of the gameplay where people are just talking about the navigation and the traversal being such a huge aspect of it, it it reminds me of one of my favorite games that I ever just dicked around with. Um, and that was just cause Two. <laughs> like, it's just a thing for me to fuck around with. And if I want to proceed, I can, and I'll do that and I'll have a good time doing it. But for the most part, I really just want to run fast. I want to be fast as fuck boy. <laughs> and it seems like that's what I'm going to be able to do. And that's what's got me most excited of all. Um, my biggest uh, concern going into this is, just getting over the, I guess, unfair logic hurdle of what the fuck is with all these big like grind ramps in the middle of this like planes and everything like that. But at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? If it's fun to be on it, that's what ultimately matters to me. Um, and I'm just I'm really excited to dive into this at some point. Uh, it warms my heart to hear you say that because I'm what my. You know, if there's anything I can do with my short time on this earth, it's just to convert as many people as possible to uh, the furry Team Sonic uh, that I've pledged my allegiance to. So, and I have not—I mean that sincerely—I have not played a Sonic in some time. Um, I couldn't even name maybe Sonic Heroes. Yeah, <laughs> was like the last time I fully played through oh, a Sonic gosh. game. The Sonic um, community so- will defend the hell out of that game, but it's 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 just okay. <laughs> No, Sonic Heroes is just fine. And no, and I'm thinking, no, I take that back because um, I did play Sonic Mania. So I did play through Sonic Mania. Um, But yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's my Sonic history has been very spotty. Like I imagine it is for a lot of people. Yeah. And and, and like I said, I'll, I'll always defend. I think Sega has completely earned the bad reputation with Sonic. Uh, that they, they they've worked for. They've honestly have mistreated this franchise, rushed games out haphazardly, just put things in, in the in front of the public because they know the, the brand will sell and that's on them. So I, I, I give people a lot of, you know, a lot of slack for that because it's it's not it's not their fault. Sonic's not been great. But um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, you, you play Sonic Frontiers. Let me know what you think. I'll play Elden Ring. I'll let you know what I think. But, you know, judging by my most recent YouTube video, uh, which, by the way, uh, link to in the description of this podcast. Judging by my most recent YouTube video and by what we just talked about here, it, I think it's pretty clear that Sonic Frontiers was the overall game of the year for 2022. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, Elden Ring, night, nights have been done before. Swords. But how often do you see a blue hedgehog run so fast? All right, and that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Remember, guys. Fear Krampus. He's coming into your homes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we've gone on incredibly <laughs> long. I, I I did not. I mean, this is always what happens to the show. I think we're going to go an hour and a half and then we go three. But that's fine. If you're OK with continuing going, um, we have some more stuff to get to. I want to do um, just a quick little lightning round of uh, some other games that we wish we had played as long as some bonuses like favorite movie of the year and things like that. And then the big thing like that'll take two minutes. The big thing is. The audience has so great, uh, so graciously shared their opinions, their thoughts, their favorite games of the year. And I want to go into all that with you if that's uh, something you still have time for. Are you with me? Uh oh, we, we lost Hunter. I am right there with you, oh, my God. friend. I was oh, just. That was, was the door of the explorer moment. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I, was, 
I was taking a sip of water. At How the dare you stay hydrated? I yeah, know. I wanted. I I should have gagged when you asked. I think that would have added some character to my reply. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> I got a couple of quick ones. I really put this in thinking that we might not hit a decent runtime on this podcast, so I thought it'd be fun to add some extra things in. Now I realize uh, we're going to go on forever and ever. So let me lightning round these, and this might. I, I don't know if you have anything lined up for this, so it might actually. Uh, just naturally go fast but do you have if you can name one or two games that you did not play this year that you really thought you were going to play this year that you really wish you had played this year and you think man that probably would be a game i really enjoyed what would one or two of those games be yeah i've actually got two that i'm looking at that are on game pass right now and i've got them on my list of games that i'd like to complete next year um the first one is death loop and then secondly, I've also got Persona 5. Uh, I've just missed oh. that entirely. Like I said, I haven't had a access to a PlayStation console for some time. Um, so, yeah, that is super high on my list to check out. Interesting. Yeah, Deathloop is great. I think you're going to love that game. Um, I need to get back to that game. I, I played a couple hours and then got distracted because it, it was around the busy season. Um, but damn, that's a good one. Uh, Persona 5. Interesting you say that because Persona 5 is one of my two picks as well. Um, I always held out for hope that maybe one day this franchise would come to Xbox. I wasn't fully convinced it would. So I was very, very excited and pleasantly surprised when it did come to Xbox this year. So I've had it downloaded. I just wish it came out over the summer when there was nothing to play. But no doubt this is one of my this will probably be one of the very next games I get to. I'd say within within the next couple of weeks, I'll definitely be playing Persona 5. But so we both had that there. Um, My other pick was Somerville. Um, which is the game by that new team behind uh, from the guys that made uh, inside and, and below. Um, so I'm really looking forward to playing that. It just came out again in the middle of all the winter game releases or fall game releases. So I've just been busy, but okay. Uh, here's another bonus one for you. What was your favorite movie or it, movie and TV show that you watched this year? If you could only pick one. Oh man, your movie buff. So that's probably going to be hard. Yeah. For you. Cause I'm really going to have to break that down. Um, you can cheat. And, you can name a couple. Yeah. Well, I won't name my favorite movie this year, but I'm going to recommend the one that I think you need to see the most, Jesse. Okay. Um, so it is in my top five. Um, Jesse, you need to go see The Menu. Have you seen The Menu? And not only have I not seen The Menu, I've also not heard of The Menu. Oh, man. Okay. So you've got to go watch The Menu. Almost like you said The you Minions. Why. Sorry, the minions directed by uh, Mark <laughs> Malloyd. Um, so he um, excuse me. So basically, there's this young couple, right? And they're going to this destination restaurant that's like isolated on this island in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they are served a, uh, a an extravagant multi-course meal that ends up revealing um, the festivities for that evening. And uh, it's real fun. It's got a wicked black sense of humor to it. A little bit of horror element, some fun, really good thriller stuff. Jesse, you would love this. Just as a foodie and the man that understands the importance of pizza fari, um, you'd be all <laughs> over it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um, this is actually something I would, I don't know, the horror puts me a little off, but I, I actually like like dark it's comedies not, and things like that. 
so when I say horror, it is like very outside of the horror. Like there's just a tinge, like a couple of those elements. I'm seeing like some dumb fucks putting it on like their top 10 horror movies of the year. It is not a horror movie whatsoever, okay. but there's little doses of horror in the thriller element of it. Okay. Um, but I think those genres can be so close to each other that most people just kind of decide whichever way they want something to go. But it's definitely right. more of a thriller but it's more of a black comedy as well okay that I, i'm i'm good with that I'm, I'm into like the dark comedy and things like that so uh yes this is this is very much or at least looks like something i would give a go so i will definitely put this on the list thank you damn you so thoughtful because my pick is something that i'm pretty sure you don't give a shit about so fuck you for being so considerate um yeah my my movie of the year is light year I uh, just keep it well, f for context. I'm not a movie buff. I constantly talk about how I'm so insanely uneducated when it comes to film. Uh, I generally like when it comes to like going to the movie theater and things like that. Just I'm like, whatever. I'm such a fucking Disney show. I'm just like, OK, the latest the latest Marvel movie, the latest Pixar movie, the latest Disney movie and then everything else. I'm like, meh, like, like the only non Disney Pixar Marvel shit I saw this year was like Batman and uh, oh, I saw Downton Abbey with my girlfriend because she wanted to see that. And it was actually surprisingly really good. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to pick Lightyear because I think this movie got an insanely unfair rep. I don't know why the hell people didn't. I, I, I just it blows my mind. Um, and I don't mean to be mean about it, but it's like we live in a world where like <laughs> Encanto came out a year ago and the world is obsessed with it. And I'm happy that people are enjoying it. And yes, the music is great and it is a fun movie, but like. And then a few short months later, Pixar drops Lightyear and it's so good. And everyone's like, yeah, the movie kind of sucks. I don't even understand why, why they made that movie. I'm like, aside from merchandise and money, because it's a beautiful artistic endeavor. Uh, I just, I, I love this movie so much. I love, I love like generic random sci-fi shit. I love when sci-fi doesn't have to be beholden to like the two sci-fi franchises that everyone wants to work on. Like, freaking Star Trek and, and Star Wars and stuff. I love where it can just be like generic, like spacemen and space militaries <laughs> and things like that. And see the movie that they said, this is Andy's Star Wars. You're going to say yeah. is nothing like Star Wars. Well, no, it's well, <laughs> dude, there's nothing. There's almost nothing that is Star Wars like about Lightyear. Uh, have you watched I'm, Lightyear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have. Okay. This is, this is my crossfire X. Okay. Well, wait. <laughs> so, so, so you didn't <laughs> wait. So you, you weren't, if I remember correctly, you were like, Hey, it was like, whatever what was your takeaway. Um, no, no, I, uh, I, I would say actively disliked. Oh, okay. That's fair. I, yeah. I would actually love to hear why you didn't like it. I don't, not even for argumentative purposes. I just clearly, I just genuinely want to hear your opinion. Sure. Is this uh, be brutally honest out or is it? This... No, 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 I just no. Oh, I mean, if you want me to cut it out, I will. Well, but I, yeah, I want to be respectful. Of, I'll tell you why. You we'll can be as out, harsh we'll as possible. Like... You you cannot hurt my feelings. I, I, I love. Brutal no, honesty, I know. I know. So. I'll tell you what. We've got to get together. I'll give you your Christmas gifts. And okay. then we'll dive deep into Lightyear. <laughs> is it? It's it's Buzz Lightyear. But <laughs> but he's dead. <laughs> it's a picture of me crying over Buzz Lightyear's ashes. It's all the clearance Lightyear merchandise that they could not move could, this year. No one but me bought any of it. Actually, the merchandise <laughs> of this movie sucked, so I actually didn't really buy much of anything either. We uh, joked about it on GGH recently, but you were like, you know, there was like some auntie that was like, I'm going to get that kid that Lightyear that he wanted, and the kid opens up, and he's like, this is the fucking Lightyear, even though it says Lightyear. <laughs> I, I will at least say this the opening 20 minutes of Lightyear, I think, are phenomenal. 
I think the opening 20 minutes of this movie are just amazing. I, I love so much like the, the man out of time story. And like, he's, he's, he's trying to like write his wrong and he thinks he's fighting for the people whose lives he's displaced. But re- in reality, he's only, you know, doing it for himself. And he realizes like, I don't know that, that relationship he has with his, with his best friend and she lives her whole life and has this happy lifetime without him because he's so busy chasing the wrong thing. I, I find that story so incredibly adorable and, and heartwarming. I love it so much. So the, I, I will criticize this movie. I think the supporting cast sucks. Um, not, not uh, Izzy Hawthorne. She's, she's fine. The other two, the Tiki, why Tiki, whatever the fucking director who makes the funny movies. I hate his character and I don't like uh, this. I'm being ageist here, but I don't like the old lady either. <laughs> I will say that. Jesse hates old women. I hate old women to all you old women listening to this Xbox podcast who are like, I was about to play Sonic Frontiers before you said that. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't know, man. I I absolutely adore this movie. I watch it endlessly. But then again, I also love Cars 3. So I guess no one cares what I think about movies. But uh, I'll I'll, I'll stop that belabored point. Um, What was your favorite TV show this year? You know, I didn't absorb a lot of television this year, but I did uh, watch a handful of things, but I'm going to have to, I'm really going to have to sit and like think about this because like I said, I just don't do a lot of TV, unfortunately. Um, I will say this because I imagine this is one that a lot of people checked out or um, if they did not finish it, I'm going to urge them to check it out. Because I think that we got one of the best uh, Marvel projects of this phase with uh, the streaming content. Uh, or excuse me, I think we got some of the best Marvel content via the streaming content on Disney Plus this year with uh, Miss Marvel. I thought Miss Marvel was exceptional. I thought mm. they brought uh, Kamala to life in a really fun and relatable way. And I just think it's got this spirit to it that has been lacking from some of the other stuff. Going into this year, I thought for sure Moon Knight was going to be my favorite. That's a character that's very close to me. And I was actually kind of let down by Moon Knight. But Miss Marvel kind of swept in and she just... Uh, stole my heart it's my girlfriend's favorite uh comic book character and she could not be more pleased even with the changes um to that character for uh what what we got on screen here just really really enjoyed it and um while there's other stuff i watched i think i'm gonna go with that just because um from what i understand it's the worst performing one out of all the disney Plus series and that that bums me out uh yeah and i think it's a combination of a couple things um but yeah they just need to uh people should go back and check out mr now i know yeah i think we've we talked about it before but i actually i had no expectation for this show going into it because i i have no concept of who miss marvel is i don't follow the comics like that um but i actually was genuinely like i'm a little fatigued with some of this marvel stuff um i i i, I don't know i some of it works for me some of it doesn't the movies i'm usually a lot more engaged with but I actually thought that Miss Marvel was a really good show as well. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, uh, too, because I yeah, it was one like the only Disney Plus series this year where it was like, oh, it's the day where a new episode of Blank comes out. I need I need to watch this. And the fact that you just told me that um, uh, She-Hulk had a a higher viewer count or viewer rating or whatever the hell you call it, then uh, Miss Marvel makes me sad because I don't think I hate Miss uh, She-Hulk as much as a lot of other people did. But I it, it didn't it didn't work for me, I'll say. Um, but I, sure. I thought I thought Miss Marvel sure. was I thought Miss Marvel was really good. I, I really like Kamala Khan. I think she's a fun character. I'm excited she to really see is. her in in that Miss Marvel or the Marvels. Is that what it is? 
Miss Marvels. Yeah, yeah. she'll she'll the, be the Marvels. Marvels. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm yeah. excited to see her on the on the silver screen in a year or two whenever that movie comes out. Cool. Well, my 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 TV pick. I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm usually like I find a comedy show I like and then I watch it endlessly. Um, like a and I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I mean this in a genuine, sincere way. I genuinely think I fall in this category, like a slightly autistic person who's just severely fixated on the same thing over and over again. Um, so usually my rotation is like Malcolm in the middle, King of the Hill community, um, just endlessly just watching these same shows, Seinfeld over and over and over again. Uh, but you turned me on to Nathan for you this year, which I don't know how I never heard of this because this show, well, I guess this show premiered kind of around the time I stopped watching comedy central so much, but, um, holy shit, this is a Jesse show. If I've ever, if I've ever, heard of one and uh i i adore the show my girlfriend and i this is like our go-to show for whenever we're like eating in front of the tv now uh, i just keep this on all the time i love to if i have like a saturday where i'm just like playing games and doing not much of anything this is my like i need to take a break and, and just zonk out for a second this is what i put on i love this show so much this is some of the funniest shit ever um for those who have never heard of this it's available on HBO Max and it's about to leave Hulu, which is how I've been watching it. So um, probably HBO Max is your real best bet. But uh, it's a it's like a docu series television show uh, hosted by a comedian Nathan Fielder, uh, where it's like <laughs> the premise is like he goes to like local businesses and tries to help them do a spin on like their business to try and um, to try and like I guess reinvigorate their their uh, their brand their market or whatever and try to and try to survive and. It, it, it's just ridiculous though. Cause it's a, it's a comedy series. So it, the, the point is he always has like an outlandish idea and then he gets super removed from like the actual idea of what they're trying to do. And it just devolves into antics and stupidity. Um, I, I, that's kind of a poor way of describing what it is. Cause it's really a show you have to watch to really, to really appreciate, but man, this show is just completely stolen my, my attention when it comes to, uh, to TV. And I, I thank you for introducing it to me because I will watch the show endlessly for the next 20 years, probably. It is so good. And uh, it, like, it never falls off. Like everyone has their favorite episodes. And like, this is the episode where I'm showing somebody for the first time, what's the introduction episode. Like I always mm. try to cultivate that to somebody um, like I did for you. And <laughs> you know, there's just yeah. so many good ones. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's really consistent all the way through and you really can't <laughs> hit a bad spot. Yeah. Like the, the fact, what, what was it on? It was on Jimmy Kimmel and he wanted to have the story about like a time he got pulled over by the police and the cop thought it was cocaine, but it was yeah. his mother's ashes. <laughs> so he has to like fabricate this entire story so that he's not lying when he goes on Jimmy Kimmel. So yep. <laughs> so fucking good. He gets like a guy to agree to let his mom put her like dead skin shavings in a plastic baggie so he can call it his mother. Uh, um, his friend's mother's ashes or whatever without it being a lie. It's, it's, it's so, yeah. so fucking ridiculous. The shit he does in this show. It's so, so funny. Uh, I'm like genuinely like belly laugh. This stuff is so good, but um, yeah, yeah, that was definitely my favorite show of the year. Um, any favorite we'll see. Cause you and I, I know we'll get distracted by this one for an hour and a half favorite song record or artist of 2022. Oh man. I'll just rattle off some real quick because I do have this all like, 
in my head. Um, first <laughs> up, I'm going to recommend a record um, by a band called All the Damn Vampires. Yes, that's a Lost Boys reference. I'm super into synthwave, uh, especially 80s inspired, like throwback mm. pop tunes with this like beautiful synth arrangement. And that's totally what All the Damn Vampires has brought here. Mm. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, I'm also going to recommend alongside that Dawn FM by the weekend ended up becoming my record of the year. I'm not like a, uh, I guess I ended up becoming kind of a, a diehard weekend fan this year, just in preparation for Halloween horror nights. And then his house, uh, haunted house that he had on both coasts. It just really ended up resonating with me. And I've just really dived into his music and have fallen for it. And this is his newest record. Coincidentally is my favorite one. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous pop music um, mm. with these crazy hooks that just really just put their, their nails into you. And it's, it's great stuff. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm super into a band called day seeker. They released a record called dark sun this year. Uh, day seeker is like a metalcore band, but this project is a little bit more somber, a little bit more mellow because this record is about, um, the lead singer growing up and he's just lost his father and like the grief and everything that comes associated with that. Damn. Um, but yeah, those are three records that really stuck with me this year, and um, I, I really recommend all of them. They definitely all have big synth influence. I could give you many, many other recommendations, but yeah, uh, definitely check it out if you like that genre. Interesting. You went a little more into electron <clears throat> into electronic music because you know just we have a lot of similar tastes in music in some regard. I'm, I'm definitely more of a emo pop punk kind of person generally when it comes to my favorite sure. music, but. Uh, I've been digging more and more into different electronic genres as well. I think right now, 2022 for me was the year of this like quiet. Um, what the hell is that genre called? The, like that popular house genre. It, it's it's a kind of an oh, undefined no idea here. It's it it's like future based kind of. It's it's yeah, kind of okay. like yeah. In future based usually isn't really my thing, um, but there's this subgenre called quiet future based, which is basically just all that like chip toony cutesy like anime video gamey kind of like electronic music that's just like energetic and schizophrenic and fun as hell and i i've really fallen in love with that i've been into hyper potions for a long time but this year i kind of expanded outside of just like hyper potions and anamanaguchi which were usually my two touchstones for that that kind of genre although anamanaguchi is not quite i wouldn't quite put them in that genre um where i've just been reaching outside of that and going nuts with it so Dude, I found this one song. This artist does not exist. I swear to fucking God, they have a SoundCloud and they don't exist outside of it. Uh, their name is Valentine and they did a remix of a song called Heard, uh, which is originally by an artist called Strider White. And this song is so fucking good. I've listened to it a billion times. It's my favorite song of the year. Um, I've also listened to a shit ton of Mish. Uh, she is a um, European pop vocalist but she works with a lot of different electronic artists she does a lot of work with flex pavilion and anamanaguchi and she has a couple solo eps and she just has some really awesome songs uh her her track survive that she did with flex pavilion is phenomenal um that that uh, usually as someone who really mostly appreciates more traditional like instrument music like guitars and drums and stuff as opposed to like computer generated stuff this uh this artist in particular this music i've been listening to this year has really inspired me to study more of like just engineering cool electronic sounds and what an amazing art that is it's just so complex and so underappreciated um but yeah i'd say flux pavilion mish anamanaguchi porter robinson some artists that have just completely stolen my uh my attention this this year when it comes to music um yeah 
So great stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've especially been familiar with Porter for a long time. That's one of my uh closest friends, like favorite artists of all time is Porter. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. He he writes some of the most beautiful songs I've I've ever heard. Like just for sure. That kind of shit you just close your eyes and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be emo for a minute now. Uh anyway. And his uh <laughs> and his collaboration work with Anamanaguchi or their references to him have been really fun to see as well. I don't know if I'm even familiar with what you're talking about, but we will talk about that. <laughs> we gotta get into yeah. that at some point. Um sorry, I just let's just keep it going because we are at the five hour mark and right now everyone has gone to bed. Um Please rem- <laughs> remember to talk to me about that after this. I do want to hear about that. Um, I had to look at the clock. I was like, wait a minute. Um, all right. So let's let's stop belaboring the point and get to everyone's favorite part, which is where the audience writes in, tells us all about the crazy ideas they have. They, you know, I say, what's your favorite game you played this year? And you're, you're on a rant about fucking someone was writing in about something with, uh, with Joe Biden. <laughs> And, and being tiny hands or something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. But I asked you guys to write in with your top five favorite games you played this year. Some of you wrote in with strictly that. Some of you wrote in with that and then some. And I figure we can just kind of go through these one by one and stop and focus on them as we need to or as we see fit. Um, but let's just start off. We got about 15 of these. Um, so I really appreciate you guys responding and writing in. It really does mean a lot. Um, it's crazy to think that anyone actually fucking uh participates in the show genuinely genuinely i'm really grateful for you guys so i put at the number one comment dead captain james because he is the og xbox on commenter and supporter always be appreciative of dead captain james so sorry to all the other people who wrote in i just don't love you as much as dead captain james uh so dcj writes in with his top five and ranks them in uh in ascending or, or i guess descending order Number five, Gotham Knights co-op. You, you specify co-op, so I guess you played it in co-op and preferred it that way. Uh, number four, High on Life. Number three, World of Warcraft Dragonflight. Keep forgetting that came out this year. Number two, Monster Hunter Sunbreak. And number one, Elden Ring. Dead Captain James, I feel like you and I usually agree. All right, when you talk about games you've enjoyed, I feel like I usually have a lot of overlap with you, but I'm actually surprised to see that you didn't... Well, I have none of these same games. I played none of these games except for a little bit of High on Life and... Um, but it seems like a very, a very solid list that covers a lot of bases. Obviously, we didn't. This is a podcast where we haven't talked a lot about Monster Hunter Sunbreak or Gotham Knights. So I think this is, this covers some uh, sore spots where we've been we've been lacking on the podcast. Do you think anything uh, anything you want to add to this one, Hunter? No, I think that's a good lineup. I'm noticing a uh, a fantasy. I, I won't call it a bias, but a fantasy tinge is all over your list there. You know what else has a little fantasy to a dead Captain James is this little game, this little number called Sonic Frontiers. Uh, anyway, Acting Basher writes in <laughs> and says, had an amazing year of gaming, even with the dry year we had. I played a ton of different types of games thanks to Game Pass. My top five games uh, played are as follows, and I'll read it in reverse order because you did one to five, so I'll do five to one. I'll read yours backwards. Number five, Scorn. Number four, Pentiment. Three, Life is Strange, True Colors. I really need to get to that. I really want to play that. Number two, Elden Ring. And number one, Plague Tale Requiem. I think that's another really solid list, covering a lot of bases that uh, we've we've kind of been lacking in. You said, I ended up yeah. playing and beating about 26 games this year, and roughly 16 of those came right out of Game Pass. Definitely the best deal in gaming. Uh, you have anything yeah. to say about that, Hunter? No, just besides Scorn as a game I really wanted to get into, that Geiger aesthetic really speaks to me. So I imagine sometime I'll get around to it. Um, I just don't really know when. It's one of those games I'm interested in, but there's so many other things I'm trying to play first. So I'll get around yeah. to it. It's such a beautiful game. It's 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 just so 
pleasing to look at and admire, but I almost instantly found out this. I cannot handle that game, but I'm really glad you had a good time with it. Acting Basher and also really nice rounded list there as well with the Plague Tale. Life is Strange. Got to get to True Colors. I love Life is Strange. Arctic Chief wrote in uh, as our, with our number three right in Arctic Chief. I love you. Thank you for being here. How are your kids doing, Arctic? How's your cat? Anyway, not at he says not in any particular order, but here we go. Number five, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, Game Nights in parentheses. Number four, Fortnite in parentheses, most hours played. Number three, Pokemon Heart Gold in parentheses, nostalgia. Number two, Destiny 2 in parentheses, favorite to play. And number one, Pokemon Violet in parentheses, best story. Um, that's a that's a really those are some interesting takes. You, you ended up by sent you ended the comment by saying uh you didn't ask for the reasons but i gave you them anyway well i appreciate you giving them and honestly i do want to just throw in there you and i started playing destiny the witch queen together arctic chief i think we played one night together and then we both just never got back to it and i and i feel eternally bad about that so i just want to let you know if you ever want to play destiny 2 again i'm game it's, you said it's your favorite your favorite to play this year i love destiny 2 um, honestly kind of shocked that destiny didn't make any, any of my lists in any capacity. Cause I, I really adored the witch queen and I, and I just adore destiny as a whole, but, uh, Hunter, what do you think about this list? I mean, I, I just want to add in, I mentioned earlier that, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet had incredibly strong stories. Like even outside of, wow, this is a really good story for a Pokemon game. Like this actually has just a really great story to tell um and it, it makes me happy to know that other people feel the same way because i'm still thinking about it and it's really resonated with me in a fun uh way that a pokemon game has not done since probably uh black or white like oh, it's, it's the best since then yeah i'm glad you said that I, I love pokemon black that's one of my favorite entries in the series oh yeah black and black 2 and white and white 2 are excellent I never played the sequels. I don't know. I don't know why. I just never did. It's uh, really, I mean, as far as classic Pokemon is concerned, they could never get better than that. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt about them at the time. Like, it was like, this is definitely the same formula, very true to what it's always been, but it just felt like the most creatively invigorated version of that tried and true game. I don't know. I, lo- I love For sure. I love yeah, Pokemon I get Black. it. Anyway um all right well thank you for writing in arctic chief i appreciate you having two pokemon games on an xbox podcast it's very ballsy uh see if i read you com- your comment next time you write in for that move see what happens uh but no also shout out to fortnite you're the only person who's mentioned fortnite so far and it's a massive game so represent next up cold brood scott wrote in in no particular order no numbers just wrote halo infinite campaign elden ring death loop on xbox cyberpunk 2077 post patch and psychonauts 2 a lot of 2021 uh, love on this list. Hunter, what do you think about this one? It's uh, it's a strong list for sure. Yeah, I need to get back to Cyberpunk 2077 because I have no doubt that it is phenomenal now that it's you know really fleshed out and in, in, in functioning condition. Psychonauts 2 is an awesome game. I, I loved that game last year. Halo Infinite, I will never argue with that because that game has a really great campaign. Um, yeah, and then Elden Ring, of course. Who could forget? Yeah. The Elden Ring. All right, Kronk can't can't argue with any of that. You can't. You you will go to hell if you argue with it. (laughs) Kronky wrote in with our next one uh, and says, I did my list last week, but I'll do it again here just in case. I did the top five games that came out in 2022, not just the ones I played. Otherwise, it would look a lot like my list from last year. So these are your top five favorite games you played that did come out in 2022, uh, because otherwise you'd have a lot of overlap from games you played in 2021. So number five, and Hunter, 
You're not alone here. Number five, Cronky put the quarry. Oh, uh, nice. Right in the same spot, too. There you go. Number four, Callisto Protocol. Number three. I thought you said that was your number one, Cronky. What the hell? Uh, number three, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Number two, Choo Choo Charles, which you keep uh, harassing me about not playing. And number one, King Arthur Knight's Tale, which I think is some kind of Steam game for nerds that want to get stiffless. And uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Syphilis. Okay. I am more interested in that syphilis. <laughs> I'm going to scratch that part out, maybe. Uh, probably not. Um, what do you, I, Crocky, I always appreciate that your lists are. Um, your lists are a little off the beaten path and a little more like, Hey, here's some crazy shit I found that I really like rather than just like, here are the obligatory big games that resonated with me because I played the popular stuff. So cool to see some of those more obscure inclusions with Choo Choo Charles and King Arthur Nightstale. The only thing I know about Choo Choo Charles is I keep seeing that one image, that cursed image of the fucking train with the face on it. And IGN's like two out of 10, this game sucks. But uh, hey, I put Crossfire X on my list, so I'm in no position to talk. What do you What do you think about this one, Hunter? Yeah, Skywalker Saga was very, very close to ending up on my honorable mentions, just because it is a Lego game. If you've played one, you've played them all. But the scope of this game is absolutely insane to the point where the scope actually turned me off just a little bit. Like there's so many different things that it's so broad mm. it doesn't even feel like they matter but they're there because this game was delayed for like five fucking years or whatever the fuck yeah. um but as far as just delivering a really fun when i'm actually playing the game not the the open world stuff is is cool even if i do feel a little overwhelmed by it but when i'm actually playing the levels it probably is the best level design that's ever been in the one of these lego games and i'm really really enjoying it but it's just like I am someone who definitely gets overwhelmed by choice. This game is so jam-packed full of shit. I really need to go back and finish it because I've only completed the original trilogy and there's still six other movies for me to play through. Yeah, when I found out that you can't just pick whatever one in whatever order, that's what turned me off because I wanted to jump into this just to play uh, The Last Jedi because I've played Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens and I played the old Lego Star Wars games with the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know they've added a lot to it. It's not just the same shit rehash, but I, I wanted to specifically jump into this and play The Last Jedi. And then if I wanted to stick around, play some other stuff. But knowing that I have to go through and and, and commit to The Force Awakens before I can get into last. What? No, I'm good. So I, I've never played it, but I am. I don't know. Maybe one day, maybe one day. Yeah, it's it's tough because it's like not only is it The Force Awakens, but for you to go through from place to place like you were playing on the open world of Jakku and you're like navigating through that. And like you also have like all these additional side quests like it is the perfect sandbox exploration game. But as someone who grew up with uh, just kind of playing linear levels in the Lego universe with Star Wars, maybe that's more of what I'm uh, wanting to do. And I am also someone who, unless I am playing a Metroidvania, I do not care for the, uh, oh, you can't get this yet. You're going to have to come back yeah. and play it again. Like, I do get overwhelmed by that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's almost like, I don't want to say the Lego games are a chore because I do enjoy them, but it's like, if I'm not hitting true Jedi at the end of this level, why the fuck am I even playing it? And then I've got to come back with these characters to find the mini kits. The replay value is there, but as someone with limited time, it's just like, holy fuck, I'm overwhelmed by this. <laughs> it's kind of weird when you purchase the game and then you get an email from WB games that that's that it's like a, 
it's like a formatted like a like draft of how you can put in your two weeks to your job it's like just just give <laughs> it says just give them this yeah. and then it says love the lego team crazy yeah. no 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 i'm pretty sure that's what's going to come with the witcher 3 next gen <laughs> oh my god that's going to be me when i play cyberpunk finally yeah. uh next up my nephew wrote in zeke Long time no see. Uh, top five games of 2023 for me would probably be, and of course you put them in from one to five because you're wrong and your mother raised you poorly and I'm ashamed of you. Uh, no, it, let, let me read it backwards for you, kid. Number five, Batman Arkham Knight. You said replayed it again, just had a blast. Uh, that, I'm sorry, Batman Arkham Knight. Okay, so you're talking about the 2015 Arkham Knight game, not the newly released Gotham Knights, just for yeah, clarification. That's purposes. what it sounds like. Okay, I, I just had to make that distinction. Number four, Counter-Strike Go, of course, your go-to. Number three, Minecraft Dungeons. Literally started it last night, but I'm in love. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons is phenomenal. It's a great pick. Number three, or number two, Forza Horizon 5, and number one, Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb was a big one this year that I still haven't played, but I know people adore this game, so good good inclusion there hunter what do you what do you have to say about this one and remember he's family so you can go hard you on know him. i just really i do really want to play cult of lamb it's one of those games that every year i play one of these indie titles that just really resonates with me whether that's hades whether that is um fuck uh hollow knight whether that is shovel knight whatever the fuck and this year i feel like i missed out on that just because i was distracted playing something else and i feel like cult of the lamb is that game that is one of my top five games that i must play going into the new year um so it is definitely up there well zeke Next up, Compassionate Choice LLC wrote in and says, hope I didn't wait too long to post this. My games of 2022 in no particular order are as follows. Warhammer Chaos Bane, Vampire Survivors, Battlefield 2042, Dying Light 2, Crossfire X, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's six, you cheating, lying freak. Uh, no, this is a, a couple things. First of all, you you take what I did by putting Crossfire X on your list and then take it to another level where you're just begging for people to hate you because you added Battlefield 2042 onto here. Uh, I greatly respect that choice, uh, compassion choice. Um, so this is also a good list. Dying Light 2, a big game that happened this year that kind of got forgotten because it, it, it releasing earlier in the year. So you got that there. Warhammer Chaos Bane, uh, which is... Uh, interesting because the other big Warhammer game that came out this year was Dark Tide, but Chaos Bane, I think if I remember correctly, that's the one I played a little bit of over the summer, which if it if it is the one I'm thinking of, that one's actually pretty good. I had a good time with it, the, the three hours I spent playing it. And Vampire Survivors, finally someone mentioned it. Dude, Vampire Survivors is great. I had a really fun weekend with it and then my girlfriend was like, she kept judging me. She kept saying, this game looks like crap. Why? Oh, this game's so basic. This game's so lame looking. And then I was like, here, play it, play it, play it. I put, I put the controller in her hands and I swear to God, ever since I did, it's like once every other day or something i'll just be like walk into the room and see her on there i'm like she's playing vampire survivors and she's she's demolished my score by this point she's really good at it but uh anyway uh hunter <laughs> what do you have to say about this list uh nothing just that i really want to play vampire survivors <laughs> oh yeah have you have you tried it yet no not oh, at all so good dude you you uh you, you gotta give this one a go you'll be instantly hooked trust me i'm sure um it's also on ios and android now so it's free to free to download app um okay next up mojo writes in mojo what's up uh my top five games for 2022 for me are number five warhammer dark tide number four cyberpunk 2077 number three warhammer dark tide number two forza horizon 5 and number one warhammer dark tide uh that's a pretty solid list you also said 
in <laughs> this is a non sequitur, I guess. This is a, in regards to a comment from last week. You said, "Oh, on buying a new TV nowadays, obviously go for what you can afford." Uh, someone had written in and asked about what TV they should get for their Series X. You said, uh, "Go in." Uh, uh, Go for what you can afford and playing Xbox on newer Samsung TVs. Uh, remember, they have the Xbox app built in. So that's a plus. If you're looking for new cars nowadays, become a professional car thief. Therefore, you can literally drive any car you want for free. Just ask Nicolas Cage in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. Be like Nicolas Cage. He is the man. Merry X Boner Christmas. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mojo. I uh, appreciate the comment. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way to go. Hunter, you're 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 a tech buff. You know a lot about TVs. You know a lot more about TVs than I do. Um would you would you agree with that? That we're kind of at the point where TVs are so good now, it's just like find something decent that you can afford and you'll probably be happy with it. Um, I mean, there's always gonna be the conversation where some TVs are better than others. For instance, like for me, I definitely want to have a TV that has Dolby Vision capability. Obviously, with the Series X, that's a big selling point. And then I also uh, love my 4K player that utilizes Dolby Vision, and I want to like Samsung does not does not use Dolby from what I understand. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, minus your real low budget end brands, you do not have to spend a fortune to get a decent television anymore. I ended up getting my 65 inch Hisense for like 500 bucks that has all the features that I want. And uh, it's been a wonderful TV to me. And sure, I would love to upgrade to an OLED at some point in the future, but I'm just going to have to wait for them to continue to go down in price. Well, Mojo, it sounds like Hunter has nothing to say about your top. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's actually sound advice. In fact, I mean, sound, you clearly know what you're talking about more than I do, because I just bought a Samsung TV based on brand loyalty. Um, and I, I love my TV. I think it, it's great with my Series X. I'm too tiny brain to be able to notice all the all the bells and whistles. I don't even know how to properly set the damn thing up. So, uh, yeah, that as I, long I, as you like Hunter, not me, as long as you've turned off your your basic things as long as you've turned off vivid mode and have actually changed it to a correct color palette. Um, you've turned off your motion smoothing. It's possible to get a decent picture out of any television, but it's possible to get a good picture out of a lot of TVs for not a lot of money. Don't go for decent when you can have good. That was the, uh, that's what my ex told me when she left, but okay. Uh, <laughs> and remember you can be a car thief, just like Nicholas cage mojo. I like your list because clearly you really liked Warhammer dark tide. I, I need to get back to that one, man. It's just this, this, these past two, three months have just been so overwhelming with game releases that I played dark tide for two nights. Loved it. I didn't realize it was going to be like destiny meets left for dead, which I is such a great combination. Uh, but I, I need to get back to, I barely played any of it. And then of course, shout out to Forza horizon five. Um, Mr. Mal writes in with our next comment says, all right, Jesse, I'll eventually get to my top five games in another comment. And if I don't, or that, that is, if I don't forget, I love white castle, especially their breakfast. I get what you mean by the sogginess, but I still love it. Also, I didn't test drive the new Subaru BRZ because they keep getting sold out and I need two more doors because of road trips, but I, (laughs) but I did uh, ride passenger with my friend in a 2019 BRZ and it was cute, but spacious car. Also, yes, Honda is price gouging by only putting the manual in the upper trim Integra. You know what? I don't, I don't have a problem with that new Integra. I just wish it was a three door and yeah, the price gouging on the fucking whatever we won't get into that this doesn't need to turn into a car uh, car podcast i just realized you never followed up with that that list of your top five favorite games i never reminded you and here we are uh we're reading your comment where you said you would drop your top five games 
And all we're talking about is White Castle and uh, really nice Subarus that are impossible to get because fucking uh, modern modern boys with uh with 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 uh, with with bank loans are just buying up all the fucking Subarus. Uh, and Mitsubishi doesn't make the Lancer anymore, so we're just destined to have shitty cars for the rest of forever. Uh, go buy yourself an EV. Um, Hunter, thoughts on White Castle? You know, I actually like White Castle, but I also love Crystal. I love them little burgers. Um, White Castle is not something I have a lot of experience with, just because we don't really have them in the South. But I do like the Crystal. I'm with you. I, I, I'm I lean more Crystal than I do White Castle. But we did we did get a White Castle here in the Orlando area, the Disney area, somewhere. I don't know, a couple that two years ago. That was my first whatever. time ever eating White Castle. Was when I came to Orlando. I was a grown ass man plus some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I only had it for the first time four or five years ago. So kind of right there with you. Uh, but uh, I, I need to try the one here because the one I had in Kentucky, I think, was no bueno. But the. Uh, that 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 location here near Disney scares the fuck out of me because there's usually like even like even at like one in the morning when they're not open, there's just a line wrapped around the building three times over because why not? Um, and that's an exaggeration. Yeah, but probably it's true. definitely gotten it's definitely gotten better as time okay. has gone on. But yeah, it's definitely uh, packed. And the only reason I know that is I used to live five minutes from there. That's yeah. literally why he moved away was to get away from White Castle. That's, how, that's how much he hated White Castle. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Our next two uh, uh, write-ins are from people you might recognize because I also requested people's feedback on Twitter and got a couple of replies. Uh, Connor, I don't know Connor's last name, and I'm not going to disclose it here on the podcast, but Connor wrote in, friend boy. <laughs> wrote in, and uh, his top five were number five, Gotham Knights, number four, God of War Ragnarok, number three, Horizon Forbidden West, number two, Pokemon Legends, RCS and number one Elden Ring. And I just got to say, assuming you played Gotham Knights and Elden Ring on Xbox, I don't know. This is a pretty uh, this is a pretty like all inclusive list in terms of like covering the various platforms. I appreciate that. What, what do you think? I, I love Connor. I play with Connor online the most out of everybody because we just get on. We, we get online and we don't wear our headsets. We just play fucking Fall Guys together, <laughs> which probably should have made this list. I kind of forgot Fall Guys was a thing because that became my my dead brain game of the year. But um, anyways, um, yeah, I think I think Connor is a voice of the people. He's a voice of just gaming uh, because he, he has covered the three big guys here. And um, I, I know his personal number one game of the year is rocket league. Like it's been every year since 2014 <laughs> or whenever the fuck it came out. Um, but yeah, no great list. And uh, I mean, having the same top two is real good. And rocket league has phenomenal music. So there is that uh, I will say it's important to note. You have got a war Ragnarok on your list, which matters because even though it is not available for Xbox players, um, is no doubt one of the most notable games to have released in 2022. So good to get it some kind of mention here. I would dare say, I mean, if I may, I think Ragnarok is just a landmark title. Um, I have no teeth in the game for God of War, but the way people talk about the God of War franchise and the way that people were excited for this game, like this feel, this just felt like a monumental event for gaming. Hmm. Um, and I think it's something that people are going to talk about and look back on for a very, very long time as like, this was an important release for gaming. And the fact that it delivered on all the expectations plus some, I think that says a lot, like they deserve all the praise that they've gotten. 
Yeah, I will definitely play this when it comes to PC. Um, I did. I have already played the first entry, the God of War 2018 entry. Um, yeah, and they in. Yes, I can. I can confidently say this is a game that deserves all the hype it gets. I thought God of War 2018 was superb. Um, really, really strong stuff. Uh, I, li- I always like to give Sony shit because it just so happens to be that a lot of their games are this over the shoulder cinematic story driven third person action game with like the the father figure and the kid and some kind of thing like that with a dead parent somewhere in between. Um, but no, this game, this, this this series, although I haven't played Ragnarok yet, definitely sets itself well apart from The Last of Us, despite that kind of surface level comparison. Um, and I thought the first one was just so damn good. And I'm I'm very eager to play the second one. I just I just don't want to play it on my PS4. Um, I know if I'm just a little patient, I can get it on PC. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think history will be very kind to this pair of games and people will, will remember uh, in a time where gaming was so so hell bent on live service and launching it in a half a half ready state and all this kind of ask for forgiveness later kind of mentality in the games industry. People will remember God of War for just being such a complete polished for the gamer kind of just next generation, truly premium experience that just delivered on all fronts and will will no doubt go down as probably one of the most well regarded games of, of this era of gaming. Cold Brood Scott. Uh, this is another one where uh Wait, oh, hang on a second. I'm my my computer's uh shit in the bed for a second because yeah, I'm just realizing now. Cold Brew Scott wrote in twice, different profile picture each time. So let me just ignore that. It's the exact same write-in. So Cold Brew Scott, do you know who that is? That's the I don't other, think so. That's the other one from Twitter. Okay, well thank okay. you, Cold Brew Scott, for writing in. Tricky, tricky guy. Change your profile picture again there twice because you know I can't read and that I use pictures to base who's saying what. Very clever. All right. <laughs> Next up, we got we got um, only two more write in two more people. But I put these two at the bottom because there's a lot to go over with each one. So we got two more. And then I swear I will set you all free. You can go home to your families again. Um, you can get out of this miserable world of Xbox on that you've been trapped in for three hours. Hunter, are you OK with me for two for two more? My buddy, I would follow you to the ends of the earth. You have uh, you have my microphone or whatever the fuck Aragorn said in Fellowship of the Ring. You have my micro. You have my blue yeti, <laughs> yeah, and, and my mic stand. I don't know. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's let's. I don't want to say let's get through it because that's me. I appreciate you guys for writing in, and I think we have some genuinely great comments to, ahead of us. So, Clank, Clanky, Clanky, one. What the hell is this name, Clanky? Are you like Cronky's evil twin? What is this? Clanky one writes in and says, my top five games are as follows. Number five, Scorn. Number four, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, very similar to Scorn. Number three, A Plague Tale Requiem. Number two, Forza Horizon 5. And number one, Halo Infinite. Um, I like this list a lot because it reminds me of my list where it's like Xbox eccentric with one Nintendo um, exemption. Or um, yeah, but otherwise, I think this is a, a pretty diverse list to have Kirby up there with Scorn up there with Plague Tale. And then, of course, you have those always just always good comfort food games like Forza and Halo. What do you think about this list, uh, Hunter? Yeah, I am actually glad that somebody brought up Kirby because I think that is a game that uh, a lot of people really, really enjoyed. And uh, I actually bought it for my girlfriend to play all the way through. She's gotten into Kirby and uh, she actually beat it and loved the heck out of it. And while Hmm. I didn't complete it, I totally understand why it's resonated with people the way that it has. And um, 
I should go back and revisit that at some point, but I just know it's one of those games that um, unfortunately I've just got so much in my backlog. I think I've completed my time with it, even if I want to go back to it. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad that it's here and somebody's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I played the demo on this and I was, when they announced it, I was really excited for it. So I don't know what happened between then and now that I just never played it fully, but um, I thought this is the Kirby game I've been waiting for, for a long time. So it's cool for them to try and, get a little more into like a fully built out 3d world instead of just uh endless 2d kirby games just because i'm a little partial 3d platforming over 2d platforming um i guess that just makes me a product of the time in which i grew up but um yeah this i like i like that game a lot it's cool to see that kind of representation on a podcast about xbox doesn't don't you know what that makes you clanky don't you know that makes you a fucking uh, diamond in the rough. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm fucking sleep deprived. You also had some honorable mentions. You said Rise of Sun, or sorry, Rise Son of Rome, which is an Xbox One uh, launch era exclusive. Um, that game's good. That game does not get enough. I feel like that game got a lot of shit at the time, but it's actually pretty damn good. It's still a beautiful looking game. You also had Psychonauts 2. I think that's the second or third time that game's popped up. And then you had Tinykin. So, ha, look, I'm not alone. Someone else likes Tinykin. Clanky, that makes you amazing. That makes you cool because you put Tinykin on there. So we will now start an official fan club for people that put Tinykin on their favorite games uh, list for my podcast. Uh, and you also have uh, a write-in below that where you say, I took about a 12-year hiatus on Xbox and was solely a Nintendo guy. It wasn't until this past July I picked up an Xbox Series X along with an LG C1 OLED TV. And so I've been catching up on a lot of games I've missed over the years. Game Pass is great for people like me who are re-entering the ecosystem. I want to try games they missed out on from the Xbox One generation to present. This is a bit off topic for the podcast, seeing as you live in Orlando and frequent the parks. But are you excited for Super Nintendo World uh, or the one that they're building at Universal? I know that they pushed the opening date back to maybe 2025, but will you be going when it opens? I'll take you up on that offer to play Halo once the streaming schedule returns to normal following the holidays. Sorry for the long-winded comment. Have a happy holidays. Well, Clanky, thank you so much for your comment and happy holidays to you as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. We will be getting back to streaming probably next week, uh, first week of January. And then, you know, that explains a lot of why you were playing games like Ro uh, Rise, Son of Rome is because you're kind of getting back into Xbox after this 12 year hiatus with no one but Nintendo, which I, 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 I relate to this a lot because I feel like this was me in a lot of ways where I was just so, so integrated with Nintendo for a long time. I used to play Xbox and I went into more Nintendo and I flip flop between the two. And these days I'm really just all into Xbox, but I, uh, I, I relate to a lot of what you're saying here. As for your write in about Epic Universe, which is the theme park they're building here in Orlando, uh, where they're going to have Super Nintendo World, which is like the land that they are building out in California, which I think opens opens like next month. Right, Hunter? Um, and then they also have it in Japan. Uh, yeah. Super Nintendo world opens in uh, March, March I believe, in Hollywood. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so the one in Japan is open. Um, it is important to note that Hollywood is kind of a, um, it's not a, I, I won't say it's like a half version or something like that, but it is a condensed version. It doesn't have all the things that Epic universe is getting, and it doesn't have all the things that Japan is getting. Um, we'll get like the, the Yoshi dark ride outdoor attraction. Uh, we'll get Mario Kart, all of the the restaurant, the eateries and everything like that. And we'll also have the Donkey Kong expansion, which is going to Japan first. And then our land will open with 
super uh the super nintendo mario stuff and the donkey kong expansion cool so yeah hollywood strapped for space um if i'm not mistaken their harry potter land is kind of like that as well right where it's a little it's a little smaller yeah but it's it's not as big of a deal i think with them because they didn't have to retheme uh dueling dragons like that's obviously where hagrid is now but it used to be dragon challenge for us for quite a long time um but yeah they just didn't build that part and they just did but they got everything you know hogsmeade leading up to the castle so it, it turned out pretty okay for them there but yeah nintendo unfortunately is a condensed version but it's getting the e-ticket attraction and it's getting most of what people want to see it's just not the full one okay so yeah i mean to, to answer your question yeah when you when when the epic universe park opens here in orlando in 2025 which is the i think i I guess the rumor date or the tentative date is summer 25 right yeah yeah i imagine we'll probably depending on how well they do and universal has a track record of being ahead of schedule i imagine we'll start to see some soft openings like late spring and then we're looking at an official probably like a july-ish opening um it's way too early to say but that just feels right in my heart (laughs) yeah uh, I I'm super excited about this. I'll be honest. I dude, when it, when Universal and Nintendo announced this partnership, God, I I want to say it was 2014. It was a long ass time ago because I remember uh, they announced this partnership. This was shortly before. This is when I was still like all up Nintendo's ass because I was like, no guys, you're wrong. The Wii U is awesome. This is also like shortly before, right around the time I was starting college. So it was before I was going to Disney regularly because I just I just didn't have money or a way to do so. Um, so like this was back in those days where I was very invested emotionally in the theme park industry, but I wasn't participating in it because I just I just didn't have the means to do so. Um, so I remember the the fact that this Super Nintendo World project was first announced in some form incubated back in these days before I was even like really all that as immersed into theme park culture as I am today. And back in a time where I was more uh, entrenched in the Nintendo sphere of gaming. And then you fast forward to today and we're talking about how this thing, well, I mean, they built it. It's been out in Japan for like over a year now, but the fact that here in Florida, we're not going to get it still for another two years i mean it's just it's crazy to think how long we've been waiting for this thing it'll be well over a decade by the time florida gets it but i mean they they made good on their progress their promise they they built it they put the damn thing in japan They're, it's almost there in hollywood and we'll get it soon enough but yeah i'm very much yeah. looking forward to checking this thing out I, I from what i've seen from the footage and the photos in japan i tried i tried to stay away from spoilers but i think i've mostly spoiled it all for myself at this point um I, I am as someone who's primarily really like just all nose up the butt of Disney when it comes to theme parks, something that Universal has done such an amazing job with this land on is and I know Hunter, you know what I'm probably getting at. And this is the thing probably every theme park person saying is just how insanely kinetic this land is, um, which is something I think uh, it just it, it cannot be understated enough how important this is to theme park lands. just having things constantly moving in motion sounds blasting off things are interactive just makes makes the world feel alive it's like playing an open world game like breath of the wild that has literally nothing in it versus a game like cyberpunk that's like wow there's smoke coming out of the buildings and there's sounds and npcs interact and there's just all this shit going on it's the difference between like a desolate world and and one that feels lived in and i feel like universal has completely fucking knocked this element out of the park and even though i don't I'm not super excited about the attractions they have lined up for this land. I'm just so excited for the land itself because I think 
being in this land is going to be just like one of those like holy fuck moments once you're in it versus you know you can't really tell until you're there and i just feel like seeing it from a distance can get me excited but it can't even do it justice until i'm actually there for myself uh what do you i mean you're you're, you're a really big universal guy and hunter and obviously you know way more about this stuff than i do so please the floor is yours what do you have to say about this i mean no you're totally right i think that kinetic energy and just things that pull the eye is something that they've done so well with super nintendo world and unfortunately when you look at some of the disneylands like um i i am a big fan of pandora at disney's animal kingdom as well i actually have kind of warmed up to to galaxy's edge as time has gone on but a huge part of what is missing through those lands is just stuff happening um, there needs to be in Galaxy's Edge, like, I want to see a smuggler, like, run through people, like, after stealing something from one of the shops or, like, being patrolled by stormtroopers or chased by them or something like that. I want to see a uh, a Jedi fight break out in the middle of Batu, and unfortunately, that's just stuff that all the media got to see before the land opened and we never got any of that in the land. Um, And there was the promise of like the droids that were going to interact with the land and there were going to be bounty hunters that could like track you through the land. And it just like none of that stuff came to fruition. Meanwhile, Universal is like, look, people want to hit the question blocks and then interact with the piranha plant. And they want to see the Goombas and the shy guys like do their patrolling over by Bowser's castle. And that's just something they've done so, so incredibly well. And yes, it's taken a while, but also I just wanted to bring up like, we were supposed to have Nintendo even before Japan did, um, oh. because that was going to be the overlay for Kids Zone in Universal Studios, Florida. Oh, I, I remember and this. Yeah. When they've decided to move it over to the fourth park, and that's why it's been delayed so long. Like, yes, it really sucks. And like, there was a bit of uncertainty. Like, when are we going to see this now, now that the pandemic? But unlike a certain competitor, Universal was like, no, we're we're making fucking bank despite the pandemic. And like they they stretched on with uh Epic Universe. And it seems like we are going to get the full real, uh, realization of not only that land, but three additional lands with Universal Monsters, um, another extension of the Harry Potter universe, and then how to train your dragon. Like um Jesse, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but just the fact that we are finally getting a brand new united states theme park (laughs) on this scale is huge like it is like uh, no no shade to regional parks or other awesome attractions that are opened up but we have not had something like this since you know it's been over 20 years it'll be 25 years by that point and this is incredibly exciting and that i've said for a long time that nintendo is my disney it's my mickey mouse uh mario is my mickey mouse and i imagine a lot of people that feel that way um and just to be able to step into that world is going to be hugely hugely exciting i will be at hollywood next summer or early spring or whatever the fuck um i'm gonna try to go again to japan maybe the year after uh, or when donkey kong is ready and then um yeah i'll be first in line for epic i imagine i'll be one of those crazy people camping out two days in advance to go to epic so we'll see yeah yeah it's it is really exciting stuff yeah like you said i think this is going to be the biggest thing to happen to theme parks stateside since uh islands of adventure in dca over in california so that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I was like seven years old or some shit when those parks open. So it's uh, it's we're long overdue for something of this scale. And it, honestly, big props to Universal for finally being the ones to, to do it. 
yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Honestly, I mean, a, as a Disney, a very Disney centric person and as someone who is a little bit out of love with Nintendo these days, like no, no doubt this, this land has me excited. It's go- going to be a great immersive land in the theme park. So regardless of who's building it or what it's based on, I'm going to care about it. But I just can't help as someone who's so emotionally invested with what Disney's doing and what I wish Disney would do. This land always has me thinking because as you mentioned over at Disney down the road, we have a world called Pandora, which you mentioned. That's the, that's the, the land theme to avatar, the James Cameron avatar movies. And uh, the thing that frustrates me to no end, and this is the Xbox part is that every time I'm in that land, I'm like, you know what this land kind of reminds me of. It's like a motherfucking halo ring. This land would be such a good, like, I don't want them to put a halo land in animal kingdom. Cause it doesn't make thematic sense. But like at the same time, I'm like, if we're just being selfish and talking about putting Halo in a theme park, like this, this land feels like a fucking Halo ring. It feels like Halo Infinite, where it's all about this, this foreign world come to life and the fauna and the flora of this land. You can hear it. You can, it's just all around you. And it's just like, damn, how cool would it be if we got, uh, like, dude, like with the stupid fucking names they come up with for theme park lands these days, imagine like, the ring world of halo now open at disney's blah 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 blah. whatever theme park like i'm like fuck i want that i want that damn <laughs> that damn uh land and I, I think about it like a like an e-ticket attraction where it's like you're in some like like you get in some warthog vehicle it's like the indiana jones ride out in california and you you ride through this fucking amazing dark ride it's a little rough it throws you around kind of like dinosaur does and you get to see all these practical sets and audio animatronics of like elites and fucking grunts screaming and saying stupid shit you get to see mass dude it just it uh disney's very reactive these days so i think there is hope that epic universe opens um people just respond tremendously well and then maybe disney starts knocking on sony's door or xbox's door and saying okay what kind of ip do you have that we can work with to try and bring some video games into our theme parks. Of course, by the time that's inked and then built and then opened, I'll be 85 years old. But um, (laughs) I I think about that stuff a lot. (laughs) I just need somebody. Microsoft has the money where they can do whatever the fuck they want. I just need somebody in upper management on the executive level to just be like, yo, we should build a theme park and like just plant that idea because then we could get it. Yeah. I want I want to go ride the Gears of War attraction and walk <laughs> into Halo lands. Yeah. Like give me all of that. And I feel like I would really have to sit and like think about it. Like what could you do to uh what would you do to fill out an entire theme park? It's not as easy as like I feel like Nintendo is so easy. Oh like, Nintendo's your Tomorrowland yeah. is Star Fox and Metroid, and then you have Donkey Kong right. for Adventureland. Right. And, you know, Mushroom Kingdom is fan go on and on and on. But yeah. um Microsoft, I'd really have to sit and like think about it, but you could do it for sure. <laughs> and they've got the fuck you money to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no doubt uh, Universal's kind of already won this because having Nintendo, I mean, that that is that is the one that's going to pull families when you're when you're marketing a theme park, you're trying to f- pull families mostly. And that's Nintendo Pokemon. You know, the, the rumor is eventually we'll get Pokemon some capacity like that's that's the shit that's oh, going to. Yeah, that's the shit that's going to pull families from around the world to Universal. And, you know, if, if Disney were to respond, it's like, what what could they grab? Like, even if like I'm a huge Sonic fan, it's like even if they got something like Sonic, that's not going to hold a candle to having nintendo at your theme park you know so i just there, there really really isn't much else in the game s- sphere you can you can try to capture to even come close to what universal is going to have with nintendo but um i mean not having, frankly not having games in your park is such a missed opportunity dude 
And frankly, like, unfortunately, Disney has kind of missed it lately. Um, they've, they've uh, unfortunately, they've completely missed the bullseye with things like Avengers Campus. You have one of the largest grossing franchises of all time, and then that is the theme park land you're going to give us. Hopefully, yeah. the Thanos attraction is great, but right now that's a hugely underwhelming land so frankly i don't want to see them i would hate <laughs> to see the disney version of nintendo yeah. after seeing what universal has delivered like sure i hear some people have complaints about the mario kart attraction which seem to be founded um but i'm not going to judge until i write in at the end right. of the day if it's a b plus attraction so be it i'll take it yeah and, and yeah and it's kind of like i said it's like even like the rides almost come secondary to the land when you're talking about like wh what that land is I don't know, because at the end of the day, especially as like in as a privileged local who has the opportunity to experience these kinds of attractions endlessly, um, it's just like I, I'm much more concerned with whether or not this is going to be a space I want to hang out in and much less interested in like whether or not the ride is something I'm going to want to ride over and over and over again. But um, anyway, we, we should probably move on from theme parks because we do have one last uh, list to go through. Um Unless, unless there's something else you have to say. Uh, not at all. I'm just uh, thinking that we should revisit this topic. Uh, your place or mine? Uh, how about neither? We uh, will actually will actually buy a, a place to record podcasts. Uh, no, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be happy to revisit this. Trust me. I mean, the audience can pick up on it all the time. I love theme parks so much. I, I never get to talk about them. So when someone mentions like theme park, my, my ears twitch. I'm just like, okay, buckle up. And I crack my knuckles and 30 minutes go by. Yeah, I don't want the, the Disney that is turning every fucking beautiful resort on property into a Holiday Inn Express. I don't want them to to build anything else, to be quite frank. But anyway, um, uh, way of the Lao, I saved you for last, not because I hate you, but because you had the longest comments. Um, and I want to give you a special shout out, way of the Lao. I appreciate you a lot, man. You've been hanging out with me throughout my Twitch streams all year, um, supporting me, leaving comments on the podcast. I, I see you. I appreciate you, man. Um, you've always been. You know, I appreciate obviously everyone. I don't want to make it seem like I appreciate some people more than others, but way to lie, I did just want to give you a, a special shout because you've been, you, I think you've been a great part of, uh, you've been, you've been indelible in building this uh, community that we have here on Xbox on. And I, I just appreciate you. So thank you for all your support. Thank you for writing in. Let's round out this insanely long episode with a insanely long, with an insanely long comment from Mr. Way of the Lao, or for those who watch the stream, know him, Mr. Way of the Dolphin Butthole. Hello, Jesse. I hope you're doing well and Merry Christmas to you and the missus. Dude, I really appreciate your hard work. It means a lot to people like me that work 12 hours days before Christmas Eve. I do not think you can understand the importance of being able to listen to the content that you produce during the week. Well, I'll stop you there. I do understand because I, I spend half my fucking life in a car commuting and I greatly rely on my favorite podcast to get me through that. So I appreciate it, man. You say, OK, now let's stop jerking each other off and get into the comment. First off, sir, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> You want to have a life outside of your uh, of your hobby or gaming? Jesse, you are so full of it. What, <laughs> what you meant to say is that you want to have a life outside your addiction to theme parks. Second, while I am guilty of submitting comments on you on a YouTube channel with a lack of coherence and spelling errors, you read my comments so fast that anyone would have a hard time reading it if they did not. <laughs> I'm sorry if they did it the way you do, which is, I think, probably what I've been doing today anyway. Uh, it is okay, however. I, I know there is a bias in the way that you read questions. That is okay. Old way of the dolphin butthole. Butthole comments are random <laughs> and are not as important as your OGs like headhunting Halo or whoever the hell you are <laughs> gushing about 
I know you were tired and you want to get the podcast done with after work, but slow down while you are coming to the last of the comments. This is insanely poignant to where we are right now. Oh, I must say uh, you continue. I have intentionally left spaces in my comments to aid you in reading um, so of my oh so important messages. I got to be honest, the, the spacing is definitely helping. Uh, so you finally get to the point you say, as for my top five games, Monster Hunter, or sorry, let me read them in reverse order. You didn't have a number five. You just did a top four. So you said top five, but here's only four. Uh, you said number four. Uh, I have to read yours one to four because the way you've written this. So we're gonna, you're the exception to the rule. We're reading your number one and then we're going backwards. So number one, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, uh, which is on the title three update. Their title three update. I have no idea what that means, to be quite honest. Number two, it's not God of War Ragnarok because I haven't even played it at all. Number three, Elden Ring. Okay, I've only put 12 hours into the game. Number four, no others, dude, because I really do not have a whole lot of experience playing different games. Uh, well, that is my comment. I do appreciate you taking the time to read it all in the podcast. Don't forget that the more places you are playing video games online, the better chances you have of someone discovering you that your humor uh, in your humor that we've all grown to love. Well, look at that. Wait, allow. This is why I said I appreciate you because you're such a you're such a supportive, kind dude. Now, you wrote another comment that had a different top five, and it's it's completely different from the other list because your other list. You had your number one game as Monster Hunter, but this other list you have Monster Hunter as your number five game. And then your number four is Mortal Shell Enhanced Edition, Elden Ring at three, Fist Forged in Shadow Torch at number two. And number one, you put Hades. You said you're on your third run through. So first of all, you're a hypocrite because you're all over the place. Second of all, uh, thank you for spacing out your comment. It did help me to read. And uh, whatever, I don't know if it's third or fourth of all, uh, I do want to say looks like undoubtedly Elden Ring has won the overall game of the year award because it was on almost every commenter's list. It was on Hunter's list. I think without a doubt, it's safe to say that God of War or not God of War, Elden Ring has won the overall Xbox on community voted game of the year award. It seems to be the game most of you enjoyed playing. Uh, Zero surprise. Zero surprise. But what I am learning is that none of you fuckers played Immortality. So get some art street cred and go play the arty game. And if you hate it, complain to Jesse, because I probably won't hear it when you complain to him. Exactly. And, and, and like I said, if you complain to me, Krampus is going to come your dolphin butthole and all that stuff. So remember yeah, that. going to eat you, eat your dolphin ass. <laughs> gross it's rubbery uh anyway hey he's on his third run of hades you love that game so what's that yeah man you only have to i believe you got to beat i believe you've got to escape hades 12 times to get the true ending so keep at it oh my god i had no idea i just thought it was really impressive that he did three uh mortal shell enhanced edition and fist forged in the shadow torch i have no idea what either of those two games are but that's probably because i uh am a, a hack when it comes to gaming i only really know sonic and sonic affiliated games like um bubsy 3d so way loud thank you for writing in rounding us out with your uh i don't know a con- constructive comment and um everyone else thank you all for writing in we we got through 15 of your write-ins or i think maybe 14 because there's a duplicate somewhere but guys that is it for our end of the year blowout our favorite games we played in the year 2022 right now without editing we're at almost three and a half hours uh fuck 
Hunter, thank you so much for being here today. Did you have any comments you want to close out with? Anything you got to say about games, movies, TV shows, theme parks, personal life, fast food, anything? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, non-binary creatures of the Xbox world, I just want to thank you for taking your time uh, to celebrate your favorite games with us here on the Xbox On podcast. Sometimes it's not easy to share your opinions, but I just want to remind you that Mr. Jesse DeRosa has given you the platform to do so without judgment, without fear of uh, being picked on or bullied or Krampus eating your asshole. Um, <laughs> he's done that for you. And uh, you know what? You don't make fun of him for uh, putting the second uh, lowest rated game on Metacritic on his list. Um, he doesn't make fun of you for putting i don't know um whatever piece of shit was on all y'all's list i'm gonna be honest i've been tuned out for like the last two hours so yeah just thanks guys it was awesome to be here i hope you have a wonderful new year play some good games and uh like i said um yeah go immortality or, or fuck yourself you can decide yeah as he said sonic frontiers All right, guys, thank you so much. We will see you in the new year, which is just a week away. And uh, until next time for the last time of 2022, Hunter, do you want to you want to do the honors? Sure. Okay, go ahead. All right, everybody. So first, put in the smallest finger. You're going to I'm going to swish it around. (laughs) What do you want me to do? Uh, uh, (laughs) I I always say power your dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that, too. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Once again, I want to give a huge shout out to my friend Hunter for joining me on today's episode. Uh, This is a long overdue one. So Hunter, I appreciate all the years of support you've given me both as a friend and as a fellow podcaster. And thank you for joining me on today's episode. And uh, I almost forgot to mention for you guys, Hunter is an avid podcaster himself, uh, so if you ever want to follow him and see what he's got going on, uh, he you can find him on three various different podcasts. So Hunter is on the Grim Grinning Hosts podcast, which he's been gracious enough to have me on a handful of times as a podcast dedicated to all things uh, general theme park news with usually a little bit more of a universal and Disney slant, uh, as well as a deep dive into Halloween Horror Nights and the world of like uh, theme park horror and, and um, Halloween type events like haunted houses and such. Uh, in addition, you can also find Hunter on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, which is a, a specific show dedicated to all things Halloween Horror Nights uh, with Universal. And lastly, you can also find Hunter on the Disorder podcast, which is a great show where they uh, go ahead. Each episode focuses on a different Disney movie uh, as you go from the beginnings with Snow White all the way to modern times with Strange World and Encanto, and they go ahead and they uh, spend an epi- every episode deep diving into a different Disney movie, reviewing it, talking about all the ins and outs of it, uh, and really giving you some excellent analysis. So be sure to check him out on any of those shows. Uh, in addition to that, if you'd like to follow him uh, on social media, you can find him on Twitter at Diz Vincent Price. That's D-I-S Vincent Price. Um, so just again a great shout out to Hunter for being on the show today and and guys I just want to personally thank all of you guys for supporting Xbox on Uh, 2023 will move us into our fourth year of the show I can't believe how long this podcast has been going on and I just want to let you guys know I I never I never for a moment uh, take for granted how appreciative and how much it means to me that you guys listen to the show and support it and write in with your comments and it's been such a pleasure over these past few years getting to know so many of you guys through our comments and our funny band and are just stupid conversations about video games and fast food and all the 
all the rest. And I just want to let you guys know, I am really looking forward to another year in 2023 with all you guys continuing our shenanigans and antics. And, uh, as always, I just, I just really appreciate you guys. So have a wonderful holiday season. Hope you guys had a great Christmas, great Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate, if anything at all, hope you have a wonderful new year and we will see you in 2023 until then guys power your dreams.